Hello and welcome to The Big League Show. As always, I'm Connor Somerville and I'm joined by Aiden Silifant. And this week's guest for our Canada Day episode, because happy Canada Day, everybody. We're joined by Andrew Clake. Andrew is a graphic designer, sort of extraordinaire. His Instagram is full of his graphic designs and they're really sick, which we'll dive into in a bit later. Uh, he's also support media in second year, a good friend of both of ours. Uh, and yeah, Andrew, how are you doing today, bud? Uh, it's actually great. You know, it's nice. That's Canada Day and great to be here, man. Yeah, we're happy to have you. You got any plans for Canada Day? What have you been up to so far? I just got to work on some more graphic designs and stuff. So stuck at home anyway, but just doing more work, I guess. That's it. <laughs> nice. Yeah, How's your that. quarantine gone? Quarantine? It's been, I don't like the school change and everything's been tough for sure. Like being stuck at home for like, what now it's like three or four months. It's not too bad. You start getting used to it. But the first month was a pain. It's just like, you're just like, you're naturally not used to this. You're like stuck at home. You're not used to the idea of being stuck at home with the same people. Yeah, and and then yeah. you also got the schoolwork to get done with too. So it's like it's a really awkward situation to be in, to really get the work done. And then once that's done, then you can finally move forward. But overall, like the experience is changing fast because I live in the city, and yep. the way it is, like people are changing fast. Like I can see it. Like I go out and take walks, like maybe like once a week or so, and the amount of people going out has been insane lately. Like people are just out everywhere, and I'm like, wow, that's like really fast compared to like a couple months ago when it was really emptied out. Yeah, I think it was an, only a matter of time before people had to finally go out on the streets and socialize with other people, right, and get out of the house. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's going to impact cases. It probably will. And, you know, we might be looking at a second wave very soon. But uh, I guess that's the world that we're living in right now and, you know, can't stop people from trying to get out of the house. Yeah, Hopefully exactly. not because I still need a haircut. Uh, <laughs> how is your trim doing yeah. right now? Is it struggling like everybody else's? I actually have... I stopped. I actually decided not to cut my hair at all, grow it all out. I'm like, I'm done. I'm like, I'm not trimming <laughs> nice. this. I'm just going to grow it. So it's been all over the place. And I'm like, oh, well, I mean, I'm stuck inside. So no one's got to see this, at least. That's true. So I'm like, okay. Yeah. Hey, if you can take advantage of this, I know my brother's also trying to grow his hair out now. <laughs> uh, so who knows? I've passed those stages. Uh, if you knew me back in elementary school, you'll know why. Uh, <laughs> But let's dive into you a bit. Uh, you mentioned that you've been quarantining at home. You're doing with schoolwork. Have you been doing summer school firstly? No, no. No? Okay. So, yeah, it's sort of torn on whether or not we should do summer school. I know Joseph yeah. Acupero suggested that we might take, we should take a couple courses. But when I looked at the ones offered, there were only like 12 total. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. They didn't really seem all that interesting as well. Like, yeah, I know that's... some of them might be bird courses, but like mm-hmm. none that really suited my interest and I guess yours as well like there's no like production based or media yeah. theory or anything like that so I don't know I'm just gonna wait till school starts yeah. <laughs> I know I'm worried about that hopefully they figure it out what's happening yeah it's gonna be yeah. really interesting to see what they do with the tv lab because uh, yeah, obviously like, we've third year tv lab coming up uh, we mentioned that in the podcast before but I don't know what they're gonna do what do you think they're gonna do like I for sure see a hybrid going on because I the way that TV lab is set up, it does seem that it's very possible to have distance people away and actually have people in separate positions where they're not too close to each other. So I I'd say it's really possible to come back, but just very like probably restricted down, very limited of what we really can do. Yeah. On like if we only yeah. really look at that. But I think it's gonna happen because it's like it is the base of our program and if we don't hit those things, then it just kinda takes away really the whole core of it all. Yeah. 
I hope it's a hybrid because I want to get yeah. out of my house oh, and I want to go downtown. I in some way see and people. Exactly, see people. <laughs> and yeah, like you said, like it's, you know, a big part of our program being at Mattamy in, in the studio. So mm-hmm. I hope that we can still be there in some way. And obviously class sizes are going to be really uh, shortened down as well. And I think we also have a choice. So like even if they do offer the hybrid, we don't have to go in. Yeah. Um, so it should be interesting to see like which students do choose to go and which students don't. It's kind of like what's happening in sports right now. Who's going to get the, like certain, the games or like, not. I think my sister's program, they actually completely said the first term is no, like basically everyone's at home. That's it. Yeah. Completely for her program. And I'm like, wow, that kind of sucks. Like, I think that's the same with like most schools besides Ryerson, it seems, or maybe just our program in specific. But I know yeah. Western, like, well, sorry, not to cut you off, but Western's actually doing stuff in person like my sister's going into first year and she's moving into res so oh wow okay yeah so like her she's moving into res i think her boyfriend's also moving into res like i think it's going on pretty like sort of, it's not really as normal but like you can still go and do stuff in person at western yeah uh toronto i'm going to assume a lot of it's online given the fact that we're a big city um and forty thousand people if you can eliminate having them go downtown I feel like you probably should try to do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But who knows? Uh, they were sort of slow on the uptick to cancel classes initially. I think they were like the last city school in I Toronto think so, yeah. to cancel. But look, who knows? If you followed Ryan Sykes on uh, Instagram and or LinkedIn, he's been posting some really cool stuff about what he's doing in terms of trying to get stuff online. Mm-hmm. So I'm hopeful. Uh, I trust Ryan. I think he's a really good guy. Yeah, no, you and sure. I both have had him in TV lab, but <laughs> let's talk a bit about your application experience applying to Ryerson. Like what sort of first got you interested in sport media and sort of when did you first find out about the course? Well, my first experience for the course was actually, I remember going after university fair and then, you know, you have a bunch of booklets, right? You have every school, you just take a bunch and you're like, okay, flipping through. So I was just trying to fill up my stuff. So I was looking both at college and university. And I didn't really have a, like a specific in anything. I was just going really random. I don't know why. I just went through. I was like, oh, I like this. Let me try. I see this. So I was going, applying for university and you had to do three. So you had to fill three slots, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. And my mom showed me. She was like, hey, she was going through right. She's like, hey, you like sports. Take a look at this. And I'm like, oh, this is interesting. I was like, oh, sh-. I was like, oh, no, you have to do all this work because you got to go through the whole resume and this an interview. Yeah. I'm like, that's so much work. But so then I kept I kept it in the back of my mind as a possibility. And then around like, but the last month of application, I was like, you know what? I need to fill this. So let me just go for this and see what happens. And then from there, that's how I got into it. But I think it really came from the beginning of it all. It was like, when I was really young, I loved sports. Like I got into it. But the problem was that when I got to high school, so I kind of lost that vision for sports. I just like, I didn't see as much of a career opportunity at the time. Like I didn't really see the image, like where the possibilities you can go from. So I was more, focused towards other things and I was just like okay let me just live my life as it is and then I never realized that there's actually such a big potential in the market for workplace and just being able to get that kind of opportunity and career there. So when did your first sort of interest in sports start or become like who was sort of instrumental in you finding out what sports really was and sort of falling in love with it and then eventually transitioning to your interest in media? Well, it was really interesting, actually, because it was actually my mom. It was actually, like, UCB, most people be like, it's their dad. But my mom was the one who got me into it. And she was the one who first got me into hockey. She introduced it, hockey into me through the, I think it was, like, those 
pog sticks, like a pog, a kind of like little like, hockey things. Like it's similar to like a hockey card, I remember. And then from there, I started collecting hockey cards and it's been insane. Collected way too many, but. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, how many do you think you have? I bought boxes and boxes. I don't even know, like maybe at least a couple, like 5,000 or so, like a couple oh, wow. thousand at least. Wow. Okay. That was I a went, lot more than I thought you were going to say. <laughs> yeah. As a kid, I went like full in. I was just like, oh, I love these. Like, it's insane. And it was like my first way of like, I remember what I really loved to do was like the idea of like a fantasy team on them and I pretend imagine teams on those, but uh-huh. <laughs> that was back then. And yeah. And you no, can like, do actual fantasy now. I know exactly. <laughs> it's changed so much. And that was what the first way it came into me. It was hockey. It really got me into it, and I just loved that sport growing up. What's okay. what's the best hockey card that you currently own? Do you have one on the top of your head? I remember, let me see. I mean, there's a couple cards I like highlighted. Remember when I was pulling out? I remember I pulled out an Alex Ovechkin um, jersey used card. It was pretty okay. cool. That was like one of my first ones. And then I got the Austin Matthew rookie card. I got that one wow, too. Yeah, that's pretty I good. Got that I, I was just like, I remember one time, I was just like, let me just buy this box. I don't know. Like, I've been out a little bit. It was a little bit after I collected, and I was just like, you know what? I want to see how the cards look this year. So I'm like, let me just buy this box open. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so that Worked was just too bad. <laughs> yeah, and no, um, I think the most interesting one, even though he doesn't play anymore, I'm pretty sure, is Stefan Meyer. I got his uh, signature card actually signed by him on it, and like that's the cool. odds of getting, like the odds of getting signed cards are just really rare. So mm-hmm. to me, it was just really cool as a kid. I was like, whoa, someone actually signed this. And I'm like, legit, like, full on there. So that's pretty cool. Nice. I'm just going to ask, small tangent. Did you see the McDavid rookie card? What that sold for? Oh, my God. I have, I, the prices I heard was insane. That's what I remembered. Was, I think like oh, over 100 grand, I want to say. Wow. 150 grand. Okay. Was, because it was rookie card, it was number 97 of the 99. Oh. Because obviously his number. I and I think that. it was signed. It was signed as well. Okay. Yeah. There's a video of the guy opening the pack on YouTube. So you can go and check that out. His reaction, he was like literally shaking. It was really funny. And <laughs> he wasn't even the one he was opening. Like he didn't even own the card. He was just the guy who sold what? the box or whatever to the guy. No, that's a- Yeah. So he was freaking out. And so was the other guy. And it was just nuts. Um, so go check that on YouTube if you haven't. I highly <laughs> I recommend sure. it. It's pretty sick. You obviously hockey cards are pretty instrumental in your interest in sports initially. Yeah. What would you say sort of got your interest in media and potentially going into sport media? Because for some people, the interest sort of starts when they're really early, whether it be like mm. a very fall in love with, I know it's not great to say this with his views now, but Don Cherry or James Duffy or Jay on right, Dan O'Toole, those kind of guys, what sort of interest do you, initially in sport media as opposed to just sports uh the different path when i really looked at it was uh when i first got nhl Slapshot on the wii yeah. that's when i really got the chance to feel like i was more involved into sports in some ways because i never really got the chance to play hockey like full on so that was one of the ways that i actually really get to like basically touch base with the sport and what really hit from there was the commentating i i like what I would do is like, I would just turn off the commentating and I just commentated myself as a kid. And that's where I really felt the passion (laughs) from there. And I mean, of course, like that's the start of media. And of course I've transpired to different ways of expressing my media interest and so on. But that was really where it all started is just playing the games and stuff, being able like 2K. I think it was like when 2K still had NHL games, I remember playing those. And then they, of course they cut that out, but it's okay. They lost the for that, yeah. I know. Um, I think I still have a few of those games. I think that might have been the first game I got like 2K 
It was the one with Ovechkin on the cover. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. Like 2K10, <laughs> that maybe? It was like gold cover. It was like limited edition. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I remember that on the Wii. That was cool. Um, and then, yeah, I think I can even relate to that, like doing commentary on um, on the video games. I was going to say EN, ENHL, they should hire you because uh, they've been doing their uh, commentary maybe next year. <laughs> maybe. Take Chris Cuthbert. Is it Chris Cuthbert? No, he moved on. Who is it now doing the NHL games? It might be uh, – actually, I don't know what the voice is. It yeah. might be just like a generic I, voice. No, I, it's an actual guy. It's a guy who used to work for Sportsnet. He played Dangle in an NHL tournament. Oh, my God, what's his name? Oh, this is driving James Sabolski. James Sabolski. That's who it is. Oh, really? He does play by play. And then I think in between the benches is Ray Ferraro. Yeah. Yeah. So they got a pretty good tandem there. Uh, But James Sabolski isn't a hockey guy. Or not, not. guess he's in a commentator, like a play by play guy. So I thought he did a lot of Jays stuff as well. Toronto Blue Jays. I think it's Sabolski. I might have that wrong. No, it it is Sabolski. It is Sabolski? Okay. Yeah, because he played Dangle and his team in NHL 20, and that was pretty interesting. Um, nice. So you took the role of James Zawalski, and you do play-by-play. <laughs> Would you do any sort of, like, color work as well? Like, I mean, I'm open to anything, honestly. It's always there. <laughs> that would be pretty awesome, actually, though. So, uh, yeah, you go. No, you go ahead. You go ahead. What have you, what have you enjoyed about the program so far? The program, like, when I really look at it, it's just the opportunity to really find yourself in it. Like, the way that it's so open-ended, it's not as closed as most other programs where you're set with certain courses a lot and you're, like, you feel really restricted in certain ways of what you can do. And I just love how it's open and it allowed me to kind of find myself through it. Would you say that maybe, like, a graphic design course is kind of, like, your favorite? Did you take graphic design in second year? I actually didn't take it. I haven't taken it yet. And I would love to again. Like, I would love to get the opportunity to see it and maybe really build on the skills. Like I just only touched base on it really recently and just tried out some stuff and from there. So what have been your favorite kind of courses? Is it an elective that you took or is it like that on-air presentation or a lab or maybe like even business or something that you enjoy? Like, re- like I really love the sports sociology and those kind of things. Like okay. I really, because they really open your mind and just let you take a different look on sports and really understand like different views that people have on sports and how it interacts with this whole world. And basically from there. That's interesting. Let's drive, we'll jump back a little bit. Cause we like to hear about people's application processes because everybody's is different and everybody has a different path to getting into sport media and Ryerson and all that. So what was that application process like for you? Uh, we can start with like sort of the filling out the forms and all that stuff. And then maybe sort of get into the actual day up. Well, filling up the forms was a bit of a pain. I was just like, nah, I don't want to do this. Like, but I'm like, you know what? I replied and I'm pretty sure they paid like a $50 or something. And I'm like, there's money on the line. So I'm like, I'm going to get this done at least. So for that, like the papers and stuff, I was like, okay. I was like, you know, I'm going to take this seriously as if I'm really interested just in case. So I got people that helped me. I was just like, okay, make sure I get as much of this. I think it was like the essay part I was first member submitting. And then. I mean, once I got that done, I was just like, okay, I can move on. And then finally, when you get that email and you're like, okay, now you got to come in for an interview. You're like, okay, (laughs) you passed like the first roughly round. And I'm like, okay, that's cool. But I'm like, okay, I got to give up some time. So I chose a date. I think it was in 
I chose March break because I was like, I don't want to interact with school time. I don't want to miss anything important because it's your 12, like your final year of high school. So you're like, just in case. So I chose to go in in March break and I'm like, okay, I really have nothing to do. But so I go in and I'm like, wow, you know what? Like I live downtown. I've passed by Ryerson a lot. And I'm like, this is different. You know, you feel a different vibe and it's, is it like you feel like you're finally getting here and it's like it's really interesting i just entered and i'm like i'm lost and i'm like okay where is everything <laughs> like of course the rcc building is not like as complicated compared to other buildings like it's pretty straightforward but i'm just like i'm just like overwhelmed by everything seeing everything and like people moving around like people everywhere and i'm and i'm not the best people's person like i'm not the greatest but i was just like okay looking around and i'm like there that's where i'm supposed to go <laughs> okay <laughs> Because I didn't know they're doing like a full big group thing. I thought it was more of a simplified down to smaller numbers. That's why I, I was thinking. So I was like, okay, once I figured it out, I'm like, okay. And then when they call your name in to do that written essay that's like typed, and I'm like, wow. I was like, okay, <laughs> I don't know where to start with this. So I remember the two questions. I, I think it was the first question was asking like your sports experience you've had. And at that time, I had like nothing because I actually haven't been to many sporting events at all because first of all Leafs tickets are so expensive like, like yep. it's insane I'm like yep. wow as a kid growing up I'm like I'm not gonna afford that for sure <laughs> so I'm like okay that, that's great I can't really answer that question as well as I would like but and then a the second question I forget but it was I can't even remember much anymore it's been so long but it wasn't too bad I mean you you're typing and you're like this is pressuring like you're in a room oh yeah hink. You're hearing all the keyboards like typing away, and you're like, okay, um, I should type in. You don't want to look around because it looks kind of suspicious or something. I don't know. <laughs> it feels like you get that like exam kind of feel. Yeah. So <laughs> you get, you go through all that. And you're all dressed up too. And you're like, okay, this is like, this is not the best feeling, but you get it done. And you're like, once it's done, you're like, okay, now you gotta wait for the interview part, like the actual interview part. And I was like kind of worried about it because I was like, I don't think i have much sports like knowledge or anything like amazing like i i'm coming in here with like an open mind of whatever it might be because i myself at the time don't even know what i wanted deep down like i know i like sports and stuff but i did like the media part i never really looked at too carefully and i didn't really understand it fully yet as i'm still learning but there i got i think it was joe who i had the interview with i mean he was nice and everything like he was really relaxing like it was just like it was really easy to talk to so that was really good mm-hmm I remember just talking, like, he was just talking about, like, the Olympics and stuff. And I'm like, okay, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just going along as much as I can, trying to, <laughs> trying to be the best as it can be. Like, I try to be who I am and really introduce that I'm coming in here with an open mind. And I don't really have, like, a specific of what I want. Because I know a lot of people do have, like, a, when coming in, they have, like, a mindset. They're like, okay, I want to be, like, a, like, be on air. I want to do this, this, this. And I really was, I didn't have anything exactly mm-hmm. coming in. So, so what do you think? You... Okay, you... go ahead. Okay. <laughs> what... You go, you go, you go. Uh, all right. So what do you have any sort of like experience in terms of the actual media, whether it be graphic design or doing different stuff on like your school at a TV program, like Jackson Farrow and Zach Fancher we've had on previously. Do you have a sort of any experience like that? Or do you start a blog randomly before you started school? Like, was there anything that sort of you think helped put you above everybody else in terms of being able to get into the program? I, to, the way I look at it is, first off, I did nothing. I really did nothing in high school. <laughs> I, I, like, my school was also a very, like, um, 
basic school. So they were just focused more on towards the science and the business. And, and they didn't really offer anything other special, like relating to those kind of stuff. So first of all, we didn't really have that resources for that. And at the biggest regret I had in high school was I didn't take any arts. Like the only arts I ever took was drama in grade nine. And that was it. That's so mandatory, never, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, you had to take, you had to take one <laughs> arts and drama. Yeah, right. yeah. Same. I <laughs> took drama too. Same. <laughs> I did as well. Yeah, like I, what I remember from that story was that me and my friend, we were like, I think it was grade eight when you're doing the course selections. We were like, you can't have homework for drama, right? Let's take that. <laughs> that was it. That was our reason. I, and then I remember like there's like essays you had to do in that class. <laughs> I was like, what? No, it can't be. I'm like drama. I just act, right? Like, like yeah. I guess rehearsing skits, but I'm like, that can't be too difficult. Yeah. But yeah, I, no, I never. It can be. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah, from there, I never took any digital media or anything at all. So, like, the most I ever touched was my business of technology class where we touch Photoshop. And I hated that thing at the time. It was just, like, it's so complicated. And I'm like, no, I don't want to touch this ever again in my life, which is ironic because now I touch it, like, every day. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, yeah. before, I was just like, no, I don't want, like, this is complicated. I don't understand all this, like, like different types of forms and things. And I was like, no, I'm not going to get into this. I thought I was going to be, like, a business student or something. So, yeah, from there, that, <clears throat> I didn't pull away too much. But I think what stood me out from the rest is, like, I just my willingness to work hard and just keep learning. I had the open mind to keep learning and, uh, like basically accept anything in because that's the way I've kind of approached education is that you're always learning something even if the classes you hate or so there's always something to take away from it and don't like don't waste those moments you never know what you could take away and you actually go on do something more of it later on so yeah like nice. uh, I think well said. like one thing like in high school I took a lot of courses I thought I would need like I took accounting and I'm like I'm not counting on numbers anymore <laughs> but like I took those things and they did come back and help me in some ways. The way the mindset and those things, like they actually helped me in talking to teachers and stuff. Like even though you don't maybe not like the class, but I talk to teachers and try to get to know them because they offer more than just the stuff, the lesson plan. They, if you talk to them about life stuff, they can give you insights into things and the way that they took their paths. And that's what I did in high school. I, and especially my 12th, like grade 12, I really wanted to learn more about just understanding life as much as I can and so I would talk to teachers understand how they got to where they got and why does like because in my school a lot of teachers decided to switch careers over to teaching it was very unique like we had teachers that really overqualified for their positions like they had masters and everything they could go some of them taught into like basic university levels but they decided to go back into high school teaching so there's a lot of interesting stuff from there that I took away nice that's really interesting um so yeah you mentioned obviously you know you're kind of on photoshop every day it seems now um and you're big on graphics you know if you look at your instagram page great graphics on there Thank so you. where do you see yourself like working in the future is that something you want to get into more graphic design or just are you looking for like anything i guess right out of the gate um graduating university or do you want to get into something specific so far, I'm still open to anything. Like, I'm really open to it. But graphic design was just a way for me to start trying to get my hands onto something, you know? Like, I felt like I needed to do something more than just, like, go by the classes. I need to get more into something. And I think design was where I first, I think it was last year, not even a year ago, maybe, like, six, seven, eight months ago, where I first really, okay, well, let me try something. Let me really try to express myself through it. Because I felt like it gave me a chance to express what I felt. 
as an open-ended kind of concept. So I went with graphic design and tried out new things. And I mean, I'm still learning as I go and it keeps changing. Like, I think the best part about it is you get to learn all this while you're designing, you're learning all these concepts and you're learning, you're understanding more about, I guess, user interfaces and everything, those kind of stuff, basically that design element where UX and UI that they use to create basically any websites or anything. And that's where I really was like, okay, let's try to understand those kind of stuff. Hmm. I think that's one of the big things with our program is if you do come in with an open mind, you can do anything. Even if you don't come in, if you want to come in thinking you just want to be a host, yeah, you may not want to be a host. You know, I came into this program thinking I wanted to do TV or be a host or something. And I fell in love with audio and radio and podcasting. And that's something I didn't think I'd fall in love with. So if you come in here as you did with an open mind, I think you're in a really, really beneficial spot for the school mm-hmm. and for this program to succeed in the future. You know, your graphics are really good in TV lab this past year, you were one of the more qualified students. Like you actually knew what you were doing really well. Um, and it was just impressive. Like you're, I think back on that one time we were doing a show. Uh, I think it, was it the talent? No, it was the week before the talent show, correct? Where you were put in charge of CG and you had to fire through things like crazy and you had to like read the rundown as fast as possible and you killed it. And honestly, CG isn't everybody's favorite position. And I'm going to assume it may not be your favorite position, but you did really well at it. You worked in audio as well. You worked in the audio suite and you killed the audio suite. Sometimes working with people who didn't know what they were doing. Um, yeah. So I think if you come with an open mind, if you actually try your best, you're in a really good spot. And that's what you've done so far, which I think will help you in the future. Um, mm-hmm. Do you sort of have an interest in one specific sport or would you sort of be happy doing either soccer or basketball or any sport that you could get into? Like when I was younger, I really looked at like, I was always into one sports and it was, I think it was soccer and hockey as the first beginning. And then eventually grew into basketball through high school. But the more I start going through this program, the more I view things like it's starting to become more open-minded in the way I view every sport. I feel like every sport has a different potential and, like the more I, I got a really great experience, I think it was the first year where I got a chance to do all media work for the badminton team. So I was. Okay. Well, we might've lost him a little bit. Oh, no. uh, hopefully he'll come back in a second, but yeah, you mentioned you did stuff for the badminton team. I think it's really good. If you get the opportunity to work in one of the Ryerson sports teams, take advantage of it, you know, take advantage of Ryan's live as well. I haven't done that specifically yet. Uh, I was, probably going to do it third year but maybe i might have to wait till fourth year we'll see yeah hopefully uh, we get the chance to do that because yeah even for me like i haven't done a ton of it i've done it a couple times but two times that i have done it it's been fun and you know i want to be a part of that team i guess because it's a pretty cool experience and maybe yeah, i know get some on-air stuff yeah one person who's done a lot in terms of social medias is emil riga who yeah. i'm sure we'll have on in the future uh we lose Andrew, so we'll jump back with him in a second. We're about to end the call anyways because we're out of time. But, yeah, like you take advantage of it. That's one of the biggest things we can talk about. We might dive into a bit more stuff with Andrew in a second, a bit more about his graphic design. But other than that, this might be a shorter show than we're usually used to because there has been a lot of sports news, but it hasn't been unexpected sports news, if yeah. that makes sense. you know. And we've also, like, like – it, like I guess in now, like the sports world, like – we kind of saw this coming as well. And like 
we kind of said it in previous episodes as well, like talking about the hub cities, obviously, like you guys already know all of our opinions on that. Uh, and then baseball coming back, we talked about that. But there is some big news as well, Cam Newton thing. Uh, yeah. A bunch of NBA players um, opting to not go to the tournament. Uh, same with MLB. So there's some new news that we're going to get into. Um, we're also going to get on. We're also going to get Andrew's takes on the Hub exactly. Cities news and stuff like that. So He's coming I guess back in. he is. All right, let's welcome him back, and we'll try to wrap up maybe a little bit of portion about him. Sorry. Welcome back. Laptop? Don't laptop worry. died? I, it was actually Wi-Fi. I don't know. It just came Wi-Fi. off and I'm like, okay. what? So yeah, technology's great. Yeah. <laughs> ah, don't worry about it. It happens <laughs> all the time with me. Um, let's quickly sort of wrap up your talk so we can sort of hit just the rest of sports afterwards. Yeah, for sure. What would you say would be your biggest piece of advice for an incoming sport media student? What have like you I learned? Saying, yeah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Okay. So yeah, like I like I would say for sure be open minded as the main whole theme of this was really try to be open minded and really accept and learn everything that you see coming your way. Like I think it was media production that everyone hates, like most people do. Yeah. But even though I, I would say the timing sucked and the play sucked, that's mainly the reason why I couldn't stand it. But really overall, like the stuff you learn from those kind of classes like that, they do teach a lot. At the time for me, it was like, I think it was going to photography. I was just starting to learn photography and that class taught me a lot from there. And I understand the color science and all these kind of things because creating graphics does come back into all those kind of things. And they do kind of haunt you if you don't know them. Like you need to know those things, understand the color and everything mm-hmm. to really execute what you want and create things that you want. As just any kind of content creator, understanding those basics are really cool and really needed too. So yeah, just keeping open-minded for anybody coming in. And just keep learning. That's the thing. Like, you're going to change the interest for sure. Your interests are going to keep changing. You're going to find new things. You're like, wow, I didn't know before existed. But just keep learning. And you just, as yourself, just keep open mind and just understand. Yeah, production theory is one of those courses that was a bit of a tough <laughs> we didn't one have for a some lab. Of us. We didn't have a lab for the course. <laughs> we didn't have Should a lab for the course, which was notable. We also had the course at 8 a.m. in the middle of winter in the theater. In so that was theater. an idea either. <laughs> and we didn't get half the asleep. Exactly, and, and we didn't get the notes. We didn't get the notes, which I really wish we had now because I'd love to look back and sort of try to take this summer to learn more about the yeah. whole production theory side. Guess, I've been yeah. debating getting that textbook out and starting to read through that again. Um, hmm. But yeah, production theory was a tough course. Like, I was very, very open. I didn't do very well in that. I didn't do well in that course. I think it's the lowest mark I've ever gotten in a final grade period. Uh, I finished with a C minus. And I went into the exam with a D minus. Was that like fifty two? I was yeah, at like the exam 52%. bumped my markup. I thought I was gonna flunk the exam so hard, but it actually boosted my mark. I don't think I was that low. That's scary low. But I was at fifty two percent. I had to go hard right before yeah, the geez. exam because mm-hmm. I just ruined the second test. I did so badly on that, and mm-hmm. that really killed my mark. And I managed to pull it up a full grade point, which was huge. But that's good. That's good. Yeah. That's don't huge. count yourselves out, people. Trust <laughs> yeah. me. Don't count yourselves out. You put the work in, you can do well. Yeah. But yeah, production theory is one of those courses that can be kind of tough. Yeah. Um, no, like I, I saw the fear people had. Like everyone around was like they had the fear. I'm like I don't blame them. Like it's really hard to just wrap your mind around all these stuff. They're like there's so much he's throwing at you at once, and it's just like mm-hmm. it does take a lot of time to think about it. Like you got to think about it and really take it in. But the amount of time we had was just like, oh, yeah, just learning. You're like, okay, I don't really understand it, but I'll just, you know, go up to the test and just whatever, hope and pray I remember something. 
yeah, and yeah like it, all the media production kids they had such a big advantage because they were actually learning this stuff in their labs as well and actually doing the stuff hands-on but we didn't have any of that experience so that yeah, just no. put us at a huge disadvantage but i, I hope they experience. amend that they should amend that if they fix that up it could be really effective course for at least our program side like we really want to put that part into it i really feel like they need to execute that much better in a way yeah i agree fully agree um so yeah i guess if there's one other thing i do want to ask you is oh what was it i'm blanking oh um based on your experience so far with the program and everything so far i asked for your advice but what would be the thing three biggest things that you've learned very quickly uh, because we only have two minutes left on the call what will be the three biggest things that you've learned from sport media and this program. I think one of the biggest thing is that I've taken away is actually see my art side. I've never realized I had an art side. <laughs> I thought it was all business, but for sure. Yeah. I, I came in and I'm like, wow, I'm actually getting art degree, but you know what? It opens up a whole new world for me. And that's for sure. One thing I think another thing that I really took away from myself was really get to work with people I think this course like basically this whole program really works around building relationships with people and sometimes you don't really get to see that in other courses or so like other programs this one actually forces you into and you get to know the people and you really get to understand how working groups is it's going to be key in the future for sure no matter what you do eventually most of the time it'll be like that so that's really one thing I really took away and the other thing is when I really look at it it's just being able to just survive all the courses. I mean, we have five courses, not that bad compared to a lot of other programs, but university is still university. So you're going to always have those like weeks where things just don't go well and you just got to learn how to like figure that out and just work with time it. Time management. Get work done. Exactly. Time management. Learning time management's here, <laughs> especially in this industry. Um, but yeah, we'll dive into actual sports in legitimately less than half a second for you. And for us, probably five minutes. So we'll be right back. <laughs> All right, that was sick. sick. That was Very actually a really good open. conversation. That's like the actual first we've had an actual conversation. Really? What stuff. It was more like an interview. This was more of a conversation okay. back and forth. <laughs> yeah. Which I like. So yeah, I'll send you, I'll email you another Zoom link in the exact same That's email. Good. Just reply to it. Um, okay. So yeah, just jump in once you're ready. Cool. Yep. Cool. See you guys Thanks. in a bit. All right, and we're back. Uh, thankfully, we finished everything we needed to talk about with Andrew before we ended the call, so we didn't have to sort of break it up again because I find it a little annoying, except for like with the case that we had with Drew last week. I find it a little annoying to break up those conversations because I feel like it sort of ruins the flow a little bit. But I'm debating getting the premium. I think it might be worth it because like I do two of these a week, basically, where I have to do the 40-minute limit. I think we, are, we should potentially move to Discord because you can get OBS for free and you could screen record. Okay. Which might true. be a good, we'll talk I, about um, this afterwards. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I also did something else. Um, I think I looked on like the zoom.us uh, website and you mm-hmm. can like submit a request to get uh, a call beyond 40 minutes with your school email. So I submitted a request for that. So we'll see. Oh if, uh, yeah. It's definitely not what this was meant for, but okay. Um, <laughs> Are we able to get into our cast? Because I swear we couldn't get in. Like on Zoom? Mm-hmm. I, I can't right now, but I think that's why you have to apply. Ah, uh, got it. Okay. Yeah. Well, 
watch for that in the future. Maybe we won't have to break these calls up. But as Drew brought up last week, I'm not sure if we had this on the air or not. He kind of liked the way this was set up because we could sort of break up conversations and different topics, which mm-hmm. in terms of the conversation of having with you and then breaking in the day at Russia's sports, I really like it. I think it works really well. But if we can do the full Zoom call, that's more beneficial because it takes less time for our guests out of their days to come on and record because uh, it doesn't just go immediately. We start recording and we're going. Uh, there's usually a bit of a conversation beforehand. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> Yeah, let's just dive into, I guess we should start with the NFL because we're going to save hockey for last in case anything breaks as stuff has been breaking all day, uh, whether it be hub cities or potential Olympic participation or anything like that. So let's start with the NFL because some actual news has happened in the NFL that's pretty notable. Um, Let's start with the, I guess we could start, they both have to do the Patriots, obviously. Uh, Let's start with the penalties that they received for filming opponent's sidelines, I guess. Is that the best way to say it? Yeah, filming the Bengals and Browns games, I'm pretty sure they were, in December. Uh, sure, it might have been more teams. It was probably every team. They just couldn't catch them on every team, and they could only prove for two of them. But Adam Schefter tweeted this out. A ton of people had it because I think it was an official announcement. The penalties that they've gotten for – filming the Bengals-Browns game in December was a $1.1 million in club fines. Patriots' TV crews not allowed to shoot games during the 2020 season, and they lose their 2021 third-round pick. Do you guys think that that's enough of a penalty for what they did? We'll start with you, Aiden, and then we'll jump to Andrew. Uh, yes, I think that's quite a bit to uh to give up you know that's a large amount of money first of all and then losing a third round pick which is a player so they're basically like just giving away a, a free player and a third round pick is pretty decent in the nfl as well um so i think that's big and then obviously the patriots tv's crews that was kind of expected but um i think in terms of the money and the uh, draft capital that they had to give up um that's big and um i also just tie it into the houston astros situation like, this is a lot worse than what they got, in my opinion. I know they, they lost their GM and their coach, but, you know, I would like to see them get fined a lot more money and maybe lose uh, some players as well. Um, so I think it's definitely a sufficient enough penalty um, for the Patriots. And, uh, yeah. Andrew? Yeah, like, I feel like this is actually hits right on the sweet spot. It's not overdoing it. It's not underdoing it because a lot of leagues do tend to underdo a lot of these consequences that you know teams break because they are on the same side almost really looking at it in some ways and not really regulated as well and yeah Houston Astros is a perfect example one that just got away like you're like this leads to a win like this is big this is this can change a whole series it could change a lot of things with this kind of stuff but this one for sure I feel like it hits right on that sweet spot so yeah I do not share that opinion I think it was a bit too nice really and the reason I say that is because of deflate gate Okay. They've cheated. This is the second time that they've been caught cheating in the past five years. Right? I mean, that's true. So I feel like there should be more repercussions for cheating twice in five years. The Astros thing, okay, it was the first time in like their history. All right, maybe you let them off a little easy. They should have been probably should have been stripped of their title, but that's beside the point. With the NFL stuff, I think the Patriots should have potentially gotten fined more money and maybe lost 
more of a pick or even like a suspension of their GM because there's no way he was doing that without the mm-hmm. knowledge of the TV crews. Yeah. I agree GM with that one. I agree with Everybody, the, the GM thing. People high up knew. And I think yeah. there should have been more repercussions for the people higher up is my stance. Because again, this is the second time it's happened. You could argue the first time that maybe the uh, ownership or GM or whatever didn't know about Brady doing this. Because let's be honest, Brady did do it. And they won the Super Bowl that year too. The year that exactly. Exactly. So I think that it should have been a bit more severe. But look, it's fair. I think everybody said it's pretty fair. Um, there are definitely ways that you could have made this more severe and try to deter people more. But I think that having the camera crews not be able to shoot games and essentially taking their jobs away for a year is enough for other camera crews on for other teams to not do this. Hopefully mm-hmm. that's the case. Hopefully we don't have to deal with the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers doing it in two weeks or two months or whenever they start playing because wow, the NFL is going to be in trouble once we hit September, but who knows? That's going to be something to watch. It's going to be something to look out for. It's going to maybe impact Cam Newton, who's now joined the New England Patriots in both a shocking and completely not shocking move because I think everybody called that Newton was going to be a Patriot just because he fit there. They didn't have a QB, and now they have a star QB because for some reason they decided to release him for no good reason. And I'm still blown away by that one. Let's sort of dive into, do we have the financials here or do we not have them? Did I forget to put them in? Uh, I forgot to put them in. I don't know. I know it's a one-year deal. I don't really know it is a one-year deal. the amount of money. Yeah, I think it was around seven and a half, if I remember correctly. So it's a decent amount of money, but it's not a lot. Uh, one-year deal. Bill Belichick gets yeah, a Yeah, seven QB. and a half. Seven and a half. Seven and a half. Oof, see that memory there? Come yeah, on, nice. <laughs> um, what do you guys think of the deal? Do you think this is a good win-win for both sides? Do you think maybe New England could have done better or Cam Newton could have done better? Where do you guys stand on this? I think, um, first of all, New England, I don't think they could have done any better. I don't think there is a QB in the draft that they could have taken that would have been better than Cam. Um, I think he's by far the best free agent quarterback left on the market. And it just made sense. You know, he's a guy that can come in and he's not going to replace Tom Brady. Nobody can, but he's going to come close if he stays healthy. Um, I also do want to mention before we get into like Cam himself, but um, the fact that this whole uh, Patriots penalties um, and fines came out literally right after or before, around the same time as the Cam Newton news broke, it seemed like the Patriots were kind of just waiting for them to get fined to then announce that they signed Cam in some way to kind of like deflect that news and draw less attention to the bad things that happened to their organization, but make fans think that like just focus all their attention on the good and them getting Cam Newton. Um, Because if that didn't happen, I think the news of them getting fined would blow up a lot more, but instead it was the complete opposite and the Cam news just completely blew up. So I think that's just another interesting perspective on it. But um, in terms of Newton, like 
it's a good signing, but I wouldn't be satisfied yet if I was a Patriots fan, just because Cam is coming off um, a season where he played two games and he hasn't really been himself the past couple seasons. But if he can get back to um, like arguably MVP, MVP, I don't know if he's ever going to get there again because when he was a lot younger, he was that caliber. But if he can, you know, be decent, I think the Patriots have a chance at making the playoffs. I don't know if they're like a sure Super Bowl contender, like a lot of people are saying they are. Um, but they are missing a lot of pieces um, in the locker room. And um, even like at wide receiver, you know, their core isn't as uh, complete as it was in the past. So I think that they, they still are missing a few pieces and I wouldn't be sold yet on them like being a sure Super Bowl contender. Um, but in the end, it's a great signing for the Patriots. They had to do it. And it's a great opportunity for Cam because he can come back now and be a star quarterback on the best organization in football and play under Bill Belichick. And only positives are going to happen uh, because of this. Interesting. Andrew, do you have any sort of thoughts on this? I don't know how closely you follow the NFL, but this is obviously pretty decent news. Mm-hmm. Uh, where do you sort of stand on this signing? Like I, the way I look at it, the signing actually looks it, it matches where the team is at. Because the way I look at the Patriots is just similar to what the Spurs gone through a couple of years ago. If you look at the San Antonio Spurs in basketball, you got a team of rich history, but you're hitting a stage where you're going through a new era. Like a change is happening, and that's similar to what the Patriots are going through right now. They're at that stance where they sign Newton for one year, so it's it's a fair deal. Like it's good, it's one year. It's for them to figure out what are you going to do in the future and what's the plan from there because it does come down to next season or this season coming up basically of what's going to happen, how they play out, and that's going to really change the way that the team's going to be built around there. And Newton's really going to be really watch them, but his contract keeps him in a low kind of setting because it is seven and a half is not overpaid as well. So it really keeps him a nice low profile as a way as a player, but he is in a bigger market for sure. And that's going to be for sure watched on and how this whole team basically manages his way through the next few years. I think it's an interesting take on it, especially in sort of little conspiracy theory idea that the <laughs> news has been held until the penalties got announced, but yeah. There might be some weight to your words there uh, when you really think about it, but who knows other than the Patriots? Exactly. I don't know whether or not the NFL would let that fly, and I don't know how that wouldn't have leaked by now if that were true. Well, who knows? I mean, they could just they could have just been talking with Cam and like they had you know somewhat of an agreement in place, but it was just never official until now, I guess. There's ways to get around it, I guess. It's the New England Patriots. They have, they have their ways. <laughs> That's true. That is very true. Do we have any sort of ending thoughts on the NFL stuff? Because that's sort of all the news that's come out of the NFL because we're still waiting to hear what their plans are for resuming games in mm-hmm. September, um, whether or yeah. not they will travel, because that's a big question mark right now. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, I heard, I think, today this morning um one of the i believe he's a defensive end on the chiefs um and he's looking for a new contract and he's saying that he wants like a ridiculous amount of money or he's not going to play due to covid i guess um, i think that was north side north side talks tweeted or did north side instagram talks? that out yeah i think they did I think yeah so. Yeah, perfect source. Go go follow them on Instagram. Yeah, they do some really good stuff on Instagram in terms of breaking stories. 
go through their feed just before the shows to sort of make sure I didn't miss anything. Yeah, I still don't um, know. I still don't know how Jelani does that. That's just so much work, and like he has everything be ready. And like, that. I think it's just him. It's just. I him. think Skylar might be involved because I don't know how big oh, okay, Jelani okay, is into maybe. soccer. True. Yeah, Skylar probably does all the soccer. You're right. Um, yeah, because they do have NST football, which you should go check out, which is just soccer news. Oh, that's okay. really good. They break a lot of stories there. So I think that might be a team effort. And even if it isn't a team effort or it is a team effort, it's very impressive what they do. So go check their stuff out. Uh, highly recommend it. I'm sure we'll have Skylar on in the near future. Uh, it's always a good conversation with EPL back, the big EPL guy. So who knows? We'll see. Um, got a game on in the background. So if you see me looking off screen, I got a <laughs> double task because Christian Pulisic is not playing right now, but he will eventually come on. So I got to see how he does for my other podcast, which we'll get into later. Um, but yeah, other than that, we still have NHL news breaking, which we'll touch on probably after all the other sports, uh, like Chris Johnson just tweeted, which I'll have to add to the doc and I will break between episodes because not episodes no, between uh, zoom calls. So we'll touch on that because I think it's pretty interesting what he just said. But let's jump into baseball. <laughs> and then we'll do NBA last because Andrew's a much bigger NBA fan. I think we will have a much better discussion with one of the things that I just threw into the document, which yeah. we forgot to share with Andrew. So sorry, buddy. Uh, we did this. Okay. We said we would last week with Drew that we'd start sharing with people. And that just skipped our mind. Uh, I'll share it with you in our break so you have all the NHL <laughs> stuff. But MLB, we've had a few guys opt out which I don't know whether or not they're allowed to do that at this point. I don't know if the MLB has said that they're allowed to do that. I don't uh, remember honestly, I don't know anything. It's really notable though, because it isn't just a couple of no-name players. No, definitely. Ryan not. Zimmerman and Joe Ross have both opted out as well as Ian Desmond. Now, Ryan Zimmerman is obviously a massive star in the MLB. He's made all-star games. He's huge in baseball, and he's opted out. Yeah. So he's the first big-name athlete, apart from maybe a couple guys in the NBA who we'll get to. Uh, and I guess last week in Davis Burton's, uh, who opted out. But it's really notable because it's the first baseball ones. Obviously, the relationship between the MLB and the MLBPA is nothing short of toxic. Um, there is absolutely no positive dialogue between the two of them, and they both hate each other's guts. So I don't, it'll be interesting to see how many other players follow suit. Honestly, I wouldn't be surprised to see a lot more do it because the MLB right now is... Uh, I'm trying to search for the non-explicit words. Um, Complete it show. Let's go with that. Uh, they just have fallen apart recent days and weeks, and it's something else, I have to say. Uh, whether or not Ryan Zimmerman is the first of many or the first of three, who knows? Yeah. Where do you guys sort of stand on this Ryan Zimmerman, Joe Ross, and Ian Desmond news? Because, again, as, we, as I mentioned, these are the first baseball players who've opted out, mm -hmm. and I don't think they have medical issues or medical clearance to do it i don't know for sure so i'm not going to say positively that that's why but they are the first players to do that so where do you guys sort of stand on this i don't know if mlb has really said anything about um 
if they have restrictions on that and if these guys are still going to be able to get, you know, their pay for not playing or um, if they do get excused because they have uh, something wrong medically. Um, I'm looking at this one article here. It says that um, Zimmerman has a three-week-old baby. So uh, that's uh. the biggest reason, I would say. And then he also said that my mother has multiple – oh, my God, I can't even say this word – sclerosis sclerosis, and is super high risk if he ends up playing. So uh. Uh, that sounds bad as well. And, that um, makes sense. Similar yeah. to the Avery Bradley uh, thing, situation that we mentioned last week with his child yeah. and having an issue with the respiratory illnesses. So that mm-hmm. makes sense um continue sorry to get you off i just wanted to tie back (laughs) i think uh like there was one guy um like the first baseball player i think he plays on the diamondbacks i think it was like mike leak and uh that's how like this whole like train started of mlb players uh okay i must have missed that opting out but that was like a small one but i'm pretty sure that was the first one um i don't know if he had like medical history but um, I think you just said, like, it's not safe um, for my family or something like that. I could be wrong. Um, but, yeah, Ryan Zimmerman is really, really notable, especially because the Nationals just won the World Series as well, and he was a big part of that World Series win. And, obviously, he is a big, big person, player, um, role model for those people in Washington. So losing him... Um, is definitely going to impact uh, the league and what other players do, I would say, because people look up to him. Um, so if he's not playing, then you know there might be a good chance that his teammates uh, drop out or other big-name players in the league as well. Uh, Ian Desmond is also a pretty big name. He's a good player. Uh, I believe he's on the Rockies, maybe. Could be wrong. Um, haven't watched familiar. Haven't watched baseball in a while, but um, yeah, that's also interesting. Um, but I think it it just goes with with any league. Like it's the player's choice, and I'm not gonna criticize anyone for doing this because I think it's just up to them. And them, and it's the right decision um, to opt out if they don't think it's right. So uh, yeah. All right, Andrew, do you have any thoughts? Because we're sort of running out of time, out of time on this call. Um, but we still got five minutes, so do you have any thoughts on this? Yeah, no, like I, the way I look at it, like in any league, I think the players for sure at this point have more of a right to say because, I mean, the public opinion's on their side here compared to the teams and the leagues because yeah. the way that most of us view it as sports fans or anybody, that the teams and leagues are here for money and mm-hmm. reopening leagues is mainly for the money back. They need that. They need some kind of income coming back in. Right. So the players here should have at least have the right to say like, no, I don't want to play because this is a pandemic and it is still very dangerous and very spreadable. And we really don't have anything that's like that. We really can guarantee anything yet. And for players, the idea of like, it's not just them, but they can spread it to other people that they know. That's the hard part for them. It's just like, or you're living in a bubble, basically that, really leads into that other issue of living in a whole bubble. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. And I do think we do have to mention the fact that these athletes are getting paid for this. So this decision is also about the money for them. You know, Mm -hmm. we tend to excuse that when we think about resuming play, we think it's only about the owners making money, but in truth, it's also about the players. Um, That's fair. I wrote a story for MLS multiplex, which is going up, I think tomorrow morning. So you can go and check that out. Um, 
talking about a bit whether or not MLS should actually resume their season. And I think that's still outstanding, whether or not we might dive into that a little bit because there's been a mini outbreak sort of on one of the teams. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think it's really notable that these players have opted out. You know, they're the first of many and we'll see if there are more to follow. Um, really quickly before we jump out of this call, because I think we'll save the Jays news thing for after this, the MILB, which is minor league baseball, uh, has canceled their season. So that's a lot of people's salaries. It's a lot of people's jobs. And I don't know if that was necessarily confirmed coming up until today, although I believe it was sort of, everyone sort of thought this would happen. Aiden, obviously you follow this a bit more than both, I assume, oh, definitely I do. I don't know how closely you follow this, Andrew, but I assume you know a bit more about this. So is this like a huge deal or is this sort of a, Oh yeah, we could see this coming. I mean, I could see it. I could see it coming. I think as soon as you know, other leagues canceled their minor league affiliate leagues. Like you know, we saw the AHL go away. Um, you'd expect you know those AAA, AA, single A teams to uh, to to get canceled as well. And it's unfortunate, like you said. You know, there's a bunch of players that you know are coming into the league who are new to the league that wanted to get that big payday and they're not going to get it now. Um, yeah, I know. I know a couple guys. Um, in single A, actually. Um, and I haven't really talked to them too much, but I bet it's really tough on them right now. Um, but I think it's also, in some way, giving um, some AAA guys a good opportunity to, uh, to have a good shot at making the MLB roster because of expanded rosters. So if you look at the Jays, for example, uh, a guy like Nate Pearson is on that roster right now. And we saw that one coming, I guess. But also some no-name guys, um, or not no-name, but guys that you didn't expect to make the team right away. Jordan Groshans, who I've mentioned on the show before, he's a good prospect, and he's on that roster right now. So that is big for him. I think he would be extremely disappointed if he didn't play any baseball at all this summer. So it's big for him because he would have been in maybe double A. So he's making a big jump right now. And he has a shot of making it onto the Jays roster um, come July or come this month, later this month. Um, And yeah, I think it, you know, you can look at it in two ways. There's, you know, the players that are in single A and double A who are unfortunately going to be without jobs, or there's those players in triple A that are going to get a good opportunity to uh, show what they're made of in the MLB. Yeah, I think it's a good way of putting it. We'll dive into a bit more of the Jays stuff in a second because there is some notable stuff because they released their roster last week, which I forgot to add to the document, which I'll do momentarily. Um, And there were some notable spots open, let's put it that way. Uh, So, yeah, I just think it's notable that the MILB is canceled. Andrew, obviously the G League's canceled, uh, I believe. That was confirmed. Do you see this as similar to the G League, or do you think this is a bit of a bigger case because a lot of these guys are relying on this as their job, and it's much more of a minor league than the G League is, and they've already played most of their season? Yeah, I think this is way bigger because the way the MLB is structured, it's for sure there's it's a bigger like you really rely on these kind of things to get there to really make it to the bigger leagues, and unlike the NBA or the NHL where they've the, recreated their system basically and really created another affiliate system that can 
allow for other opportunities for like MLB. This is really big for them in the minor league. Like a lot of players are going to be in question for sure. Of like, where is this going to go for them? And that's going to be anything time off can really change anything for the players. And this can really make or break a lot of players' careers that we may not suspect. And that's the big thing, especially for the their league. That is notable. I, it's something I hadn't considered is the fact that this is going to be huge for all the minor, minor league guys, whether or not they'll be able to play uh, yeah. and whether or not this might ruin their career because this is some of the most important time for them to develop is playing in these minor leagues. So it'll be really interesting to see. But after the break, and by break, I mean half a second for you and <laughs> five minutes for us, uh, we'll dive a bit into the Jays roster and just what they're going to do for training camp. So we'll be right back. All right. Nice. Cool. So, yeah, I just forgot to add the J stuff. I can't believe I forgot that. I didn't know we were going to go so J's heavy, but, I mean, there's not much to say about well, the like, I, Yeah, there isn't much. Um, it's mostly the fact that Nate Pearson's on the roster. Yeah. And there's still two spots open. Mm-hmm. Potentially yeah. for Austin Martin. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, we'll get into that. That's just what I wanted to bring up because that is pretty notable. And yeah. that broke like Thursday, I think. Mm-hmm. So we'll dive into that and then hit ML, MLB, NBA and NHL. All right. Because, uh, yeah, Johnson just tweeted something, which I'm going to add to the doc. Cool. Also, Nikola Jokic still isn't in the U.S., so Denver might be screwed. Um, cool. We'll get into that in a sec. But, yeah, I'll, email, I'll respond to that email again, and you can just join whenever right. you want. Cool. See you in a minute. And, of course, we're back, as always. What a shocker. Um, we're going to wrap up MLB and then try to hit NBA really quick because there's some news around that. And I want to get your take on a couple things. I think we could have a really good conversation on one of them. Um, and we'll wrap up with NH. Oh, no. Oh, fuck. No. <laughs> well, oh, we'll Connor's see. back. Oh, he's back. Okay. Oh, I disappeared. Oh. You froze yeah, well, for like uh, five seconds. <laughs> your internet connection's unstable. Uh, thanks, uh, Zoom. Uh, hopefully, I stay around. How much did you get of that? Um, nothing. <laughs> I don't nothing. think I got Good. anything. <laughs> All right, let's restart this then. I'm here. Well, no, no, no. I got like the beginning. I just didn't get like the point that you were saying. So like I got like, and we're back. Um, shocking that we're back. And then, uh, and then I didn't get anything else. After and then that. I cut. That's gonna be hysterical, actually. Yeah. Let's keep that. Let's keep all of this because I, we are keeping it. Yes. Because we don't want to make you edit, really. Um. So let's dive into the rest of the MLB stuff because there is some Jays news that we need to cover. Uh, starting off with, I guess we'll start with their roster because they released that last week, I believe, on Thursday, uh, maybe Friday. I can't remember. One of the two days. Um, their 50-man roster, which featured 48 players. Of those 48, you have the notables. Uh, as Aiden mentioned beforehand, we have a couple minor leaguer guys. Uh, Nate Pearson's on the roster, which is pretty notable. Anybody else who really sticks out to you, Aiden? Um, I actually can't even find the roster right now. I'm looking for it. But there's this one guy um, that they signed in – like before the season was supposed to start. Uh, I think he's a second baseman. I think it's like Espinal, Santiago Espinal. And he's, okay. a, he's an interesting player. I think he could be a – I think people are saying that he's like a, a backup right now. But I think he has potential to even like get a starting role 
Um, if, you know, maybe Biggio doesn't play too well off the start, he can come in and he can actually like be an impact player. And then he might actually be able to keep his spot. Um, okay. So I think that's a name to watch out for. Um, is Alec Manoa on the roster? Do you have the roster? Uh, I'm not sure. I think they tweeted it out. Yeah, I can't find it anywhere. I, I definitely saw it on Instagram. Maybe I can pull it up on the Blue Jays Insta. Uh, I don't know if it'll be on their Instagram or on their Twitter. Let me pull up their Twitter now. Apologies, we should have prepared ahead of time. Uh, this is something that sort of occurred to me halfway through. Um, <laughs> I think, I think Manoa. Like even even if um, like if he is on the roster, um, if he isn't, I think he could be looked at at one of the guys to get that final two spots in there because um, mm-hmm. he was drafted um, last season with I think a top five pick, I believe. And he's a big power arm okay. uh, starting pitcher. Um, they could put him in the bullpen and they could have an insane one-two combo of Pearson and Manoa if they choose to do that. Um, he's right-handed. He's, he can throw uh, high 90s. So I think he's also another guy to look out for as well. Um, and then I think there's one other guy who they got in the... Uh, it's so hard when I can't see the roster in front of me, but... Um, one guy that they got in the Stroman trade, uh, not K, the other guy that they got. He's also a pitcher. I think he's right-handed as well. Um, I, I Richard, I think it's Richardson, Richardson, and um, yeah, I think he could be another good guy that they could throw into the pen and uh, see if he has some potential as well. I think Jays fans would be really excited to see what the return is for Marcus Stroman. Uh, in some way, even though he might not get too much of an opportunity right away, it's good to see uh, what he has to offer. So, uh, uh, Sorry to cut you off, but I just threw the roster in the document. Okay, sick. Uh, thank you to TSN, you legend. <laughs> um, yeah, so you got like the really expected players in Boba Chat, Gavin Biggio. Uh, I feel like I don't need to mention like the big name guys. Um, Anthony Alford. I think is a kind of notable one. Um, Derek Fisher, of course. Grichik, of course. Is there any Bill Anthony? McKinney? Anthony Alfred's also really interesting because, um, as like you see, if you look at the Jays outfielders, um, they don't have that much depth and they don't have a lot of stars. Like um, Drew mentioned last week on the show, if Lourdes Gurriel stays healthy, that they have a good shot at uh, winning a playoff game, um, and I agree with that. But then. After Guriel, you have Grichik, which is a bit of a fall-off, in my opinion. And then that third outfield spot is kind of up for grabs. And if you look at a guy like Anthony Alfred, he's been up and down from the minor leagues to the MLB basically his whole career as a J. So I think right now might be his best opportunity. I know he can hit. I know he can run. Uh, he can hit for average as well, which is kind of what the Jays need. So I think I look at him, Teoscar Hernandez, uh, and probably Derek Fisher competing for that number three spot. I think Billy McKinney probably gets left out. Um, I think Fisher's a switch hitter. McKinney's a lefty, so he might be able to come in for a couple games just because he's a lefty bat, and they might want to throw him in there. Um, but yeah, look at look at Anthony Alfred for making an impact this year, hopefully. Hopefully, we'll see. <laughs> um, yeah. 
Yeah, I guess you sort of mentioned the big names. Uh, Ryan Brook, he's on the roster, which is kind of notable after his poor season last year. Um, well, he was injured for most yeah. of the season. Yeah. I guess I should have said injured, shouldn't have I? Yeah, it, Whatever. He missed a lot of last year, so I guess that's pretty interesting. Um, yeah. yeah, a lot of catchers I didn't recognize, um, apart from Reese McGuire and Danny Jansen. Caleb really Joseph know. is a, a former Baltimore Oriole, and I okay. think he was on, I want to say Washington last year. I could be completely wrong, but I remember seeing him play in some important games last year. I could, I could just be completely wrong, and he was on the Orioles still, and he was just sucking in Baltimore. But uh, <laughs> he's a good player, uh, and he could be a good third catcher for them. Riley Adams is a prospect, and uh, I don't know about this Kirk guy. I think oh actually I do know about him. Um minor league guy his whole career. I think he has some upside though. So I think I like their depth at catching at catcher. All right. Well, that's good. Good thing they have depth. We'll see who makes it out of the training camp, which they're doing in Toronto. I find yeah. very interesting. Uh they're coming to back from Dundeen. They're Dun-Ed- gonna stay in the Dunedin. Dunedin. Dunedin, not Dundeen. Why did I say Dundeen? Dunedin. Dundeen. Sundeen. Yeah. I Maybe thinking of Dundee. I think it's a place in Scotland. Uh, beside the point, we're getting off track. Again, as usual, as always, I always get off track. Um, Dunedin. They're coming back from Dunedin, Florida, to train at the Rogers Center. They're going to be staying at that hotel that's attached to the Rogers Center. Um, we'll see how that goes. They apparently have a direct path from the stadium to the hotel and the hotel to the stadium where they don't have to interact with anybody, which is good. So they'll be able to stay isolated. Nice. We'll see whether or not they get to play games or not. Uh, yeah. In Toronto, I'm still torn on that. I've had a ton of conversations with people about whether or not they should and whether or not they will and what the sort of setup is. What do you guys think about them resuming training camp? in Canada, in Toronto? Do you think it's the right decision? Or do you think that they should be doing it in Buffalo or in Dunedin or somewhere else? Um, well, first of all, definitely not Dunedin just because of the amount of cases there right now. And it, the Jays actually had to close their spring training facility down there um, because of the amount of cases. And some guys on their team uh, were testing positive. So I think as of right now, it is safe. Uh, to do it in Toronto at the Rogers Center. And it sounds like they have a good plan there with the hotel being so close or being attached to the stadium. Um, so I like that. Um, in terms of there being games played, I think it's just going to come down to the government. Um, I would love to see Toronto uh, or the Jays play in Toronto. Um, I don't like the idea of playing in Florida right now, um, especially because there's so many other leagues that are going to be starting up there as well. Buffalo is an option, though. I think they could go to Buffalo. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think it's just going to come down to the government about uh, playing in Toronto or not. What about you, Andrew? Yeah, no, I find it a very interesting stance because if you really look at it, usually it would make most sense to go in a smaller area and stuff. But, of course, you would usually wouldn't think of a city in a situation because of population density. But it is really coming down to the government, as you said, government, the way that government's handling everything. And, of course, in the U.S. is a different case. Like, we're seeing cases grow every day like keeps going on and of course like toronto is being looked at because the cases are much 
lower but it is a city still and they do have to be really precautious still like there's a lot of things they have to be careful but the good thing is that the roger center is designed in some ways that they can control more things of aspects of it which is really good so yeah i mean it'd be really cool as you said that playing in toronto would be amazing like always but i mean buffalo is a very nice one to also look at and they should still continue to look at their options before they really confirm down to one area yeah, that's true. And also, I think the travel restrictions are going to play a big factor. You know, New York just inputted travel restrictions on certain states. I don't know if they're legally allowed to do that, but they have. Uh, Toronto obviously has the 14-day mandatory quarantine uh, for any incoming people, whether it be residents or non-residents. You have to quarantine for 14 days. We'll see if they potentially waive it for the players. But my biggest issue is where do those players, if they do play in Toronto, go and stay? Because obviously with the Jays, they'll be staying in that hotel. And I don't know how many rooms there are, but I don't know. And I'm so, I guess the biggest thing that has to be taken into account is, are there enough rooms in that hotel to house a second team? And are they willing to house a second team? Yeah. I don't know if That's they would the big be. Question. I think exactly. they'd have to find another hotel. Um, yeah. I don't think they're going to let two teams stay in the same ho- hotel. One, because the Jays would also have to travel, right? Yes. So, yeah. It's something to watch. It's something that you're going to have to pay attention to. It's something that will hopefully be figured out in the next week or two because baseball resumes June, not June. We've already passed June because mm-hmm. today is Canada Day, July 1st. Uh, July 23rd. So we'll see whether or not that is stays as a date and whether or not Toronto will be playing out of Toronto or not. It's going to be something to watch. Like as with all sports right now, whether or not these plans will work and whether or not everything will happen the way that they want to happen. Um, Until then you just got to wait and hope that everything goes to plan and there are no outbreaks. Um, like with the Brooklyn Nets because they have two of their best players left uh, that aren't Kevin Durant or Kyrie Irving who are injured. DeAndre Jordan and Spencer Dinwiddie have both tested positive for coronavirus. They have also, well, I shouldn't say both have, DeAndre Jordan has announced that he will not be going to Orlando for the tournament. And Spencer Dinwiddie is still, still deciding whether or not he will or he won't if he doesn't that's it for brooklyn they're just they're going to be in so much trouble if they don't fall out of the playoffs they're definitely not going to make it past the first round at all they'll be left with what karis Hulvert, and that's it <laughs> like that's pretty bad although they will be going up against a probably even worse washington Wizards team, so we'll see what happens there. But let's dive into the Brooklyn Nets situation because it's really notable just how we are starting to witness a mini outbreak on the Nets. Uh, It's also a team that has, I guess they've been the most vocal about potentially not going when you look at Kyrie Irving and now Spencer Dinwiddie and what he's saying because he's, I don't really know what to think anymore with him considering he wanted to put, I think it was like trillions on his back uh, for his jersey name. 
because the U.S. is in trillions of dollars of debt or something like that. That's a little crazy. Um, but these are there's an outbreak, and the question will be: Can you contain this outbreak? Is it possible? I don't know. Uh, what do you guys think, especially with how the Brooklyn Nets have handled things and the fact that these cases are starting to explode? Well, I mean, when you first look at it all, like I do feel like the NBA could probably handle these cases. I mean, we're only talking about like 800 players and it is more manageable. It makes it, of course, you got to count staffing and everything, but it is more manageable than compared to a city or so. So I mean, cities are, a lot of cities are doing pretty well, especially in Canada case, like it is possible. So I do believe the NBA could handle this, but I mean, there are the cases. I think one of the things that we keep forgetting is how fast this virus can spread. And that's the one thing we keep sometimes forgetting. Like after a while, we yeah. forget about it. We forget that it spreads fast and it moves really fast. And that's the thing. It depends on how fast the NBA keeps responding to these kind of things if they want to continue their season, which seems to be the plan for sure. Yeah. Um, I don't have too much to say on that. I think, uh, I think the NBA can do it, like Andrew said. Um, and yeah, the whole, the Brooklyn Nets have been like a really interesting story in the past couple of weeks, especially with Kyrie and, and, uh, Durant, uh, and, uh, and yeah, the amount of cases that they're getting is just crazy. But, um, you know, I think the NBA does have a solid foundation and a solid plan to, uh, to counteract these, uh, these cases, hopefully. Um, and uh, and yeah, we'll see what happens. I do trust that the bubble that they have is uh, is good and safe for the players. Yeah, and they're also going to Florida, which is notable. Uh, they'll be playing at the same facilities as the MLS is going to, which we'll dive into that in a little bit because I think there is something we do have to mention in terms of the MLS. Um, but other NBA news, uh, at the facilities, they will be painting Black Lives Matter on all three courts. So that'll be on broadcast. Uh, it's one of the things that the players really want is because they don't want this just to be a tournament. They don't want this to distract from the uh, racial justice movement that's currently going on. And a lot of them are very vocal and have been very vocal about attending events and showing support. Um, another thing that they're doing is, as I mentioned with the Spencer Dinwiddie thing, is they're allowing players to put different words or names on the back of their jerseys. So that'll be something to watch to see what people put on their back of their jerseys, whether it be Black Lives Matter or Justice for Floyd or um, yeah, I don't know what the NBA would allow them or restrict them to say, but it will be interesting to watch and it'll be interesting to see how guys take this, whether or not it's seriously, whether or not it becomes a giant movement where everybody puts the same thing on their back of the jersey like they did in the Premier League, although that's a little bit different uh, because it was sort of league sanction, a league idea, where they put Black Lives Matter on the back of every single player's jersey for the first weekend of games. I think a movement like that could be pretty cool, but who knows? Um, I think it's good that they're really charging head-on into this. You know, the issues that plague the U.S. and Canada, which we tend to want to try to ignore, but are very prevalent. Um, yeah, uh, I just I think it's really good what they're doing. I'm happy that they're pushing this really hard. Um, but back to some more positive news and less sort of serious and harsh and more players. Um, Jordan Bell, who I didn't realize was a free agent, 
signed a two-year contract with the Cleveland Cavaliers, uh, former Golden State center forward combo, signing with a terrible team who won't be playing in this upcoming tournament, but will potentially get a gig. I believe Andre Drummond, did he sign his option? I can't remember if that was public or not, whether or not he was going to take his player option or ignore it, like not take it. Do either of you remember? I don't know if it's been announced yet. Don't. Yeah, I don't think there's anything official yet on that, from what I remember. Yeah. Okay. Well, he might have to fight with Andre Drummond for a spot on that roster, which that's not going to be easy. Um, good luck to you, Jordan Bell. It's the first signing we've seen, I guess major signing, sort of, we've seen, especially in the NBA, since uh, COVID happened. We haven't really seen many players re-signing. Um, you look at a the Toronto Raptors, who have Serge Ibaka, Marcus Gasol, who's now skinny. Uh, if you haven't seen him on social <laughs> media, well done, Mark. He's lost a ton of weight. He looks yeah. amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, apparently, according to some of the players, he's lightning quick now. Like, he's back yeah. to being fast. Okay, okay. I'm excited. Uh, a healthy, fit Marcus Gasol excites me. I don't know how you guys stand on it or <laughs> if you've seen the pictures on social media, but. Uh, we can make a serious run, uh, but we'll dive into that in a second. Let's dive into – oh, I guess not dive into. I said dive a lot, huh? Um, the Denver Nuggets have shut down their training facility due to the number of COVID-19 cases they've had. One player who has tested positive but isn't in Denver, which was just announced literally like 15 minutes ago by Adrian Wojnarowski, Nikola Jokic, their star center, still isn't in – North America or the U.S. So I don't know how that's going to work. Good luck to him. Uh, I believe he had COVID, correct? I think so, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So I don't know what's going to happen there, whether or not the U.S. will even let him in, whether or not he'll be able to get in, in time for the tournament because that's less than a month away. That's 30 days away now. Um We'll see what happens. It's going to be something to seriously watch because that's a big player on a very good team, and that could be a big loss. I believe all of the Raptors are clean so far, uh, which is a great, great sign. I believe the Celtics also announced today that they were completely clean, or Brad Stevens at least announced it. So there are teams who are just completely clean, which is good news. Um, We'll see whether or not that continues, whether or not more cases spike. I think Toronto will likely be safe, but Boston, I don't know how the cases are in Massachusetts or whatever. Um, Other than that, let's hit Bradley Beal, and then we'll hit the J.R. Smith news because that's hysterical. Um, (laughs) But we'll start with Bradley Beal because he has announced, or he hasn't announced, He's basically said he's not sure whether or not he wants to go to this tournament. Obviously, Washington are going. They're missing their second-best player in Davis Burtons. And other than Beal, they have absolutely nobody. Uh, I don't believe John Wall is going to be healthy. So (laughs) if they do go, congratulations, Brooklyn. You're actually going to make the playoffs. If he doesn't go, or if he does go, Brooklyn might be in a little bit of trouble. But he is the first massive name other than obviously Davis Burton's who I've mentioned multiple times on this podcast to decide that he may not want to go. Do you guys think this will start a trend among basketball players saying they're not comfortable going, or do you think these are going to be more isolated cases on 
sort of teams who are on the brink but probably don't really stand a chance. And the only reason Washington got in was just so that they could get New Orleans into the little regular season thing for the NBA. Or do you think that this will start a serious movement? No, I think where they finished in the standings, and I don't know if it should come into play because the situation is a lot more than, than sports, obviously. But I think, I think it, it does come into play in some way. I think if you're a team that barely snuck into the playoffs, uh, you might be like, okay, probably not going to win an NBA title this year. We got this massive pandemic going around, and um, I'm all for racial um, justice. Um, so uh, maybe it's, it's not worth going. So I think Bradley Beal is you know, the example of that. So I, I could see um, some more guys from, from Washington uh, dropping out. Do I think there's going to be like a, a report coming out soon that like, I don't know, a big name player pulls out? LeBron James. LeBron James. I, I don't see that. I, that would be, if you want to make a change in this world, that's something you do though. Like that is a, a big step in the right direction in my opinion. Um, to really show that it's it's much bigger than just a game. So, it I don't know. It it is something that LeBron James could do. I just don't see it because, you know, um, especially with the Lakers and how Kobe passed away this year, and they really want to win a championship for him. I think uh, that kind of will draw LeBron in uh, to the tournament more, but. Um, yeah, it's, it's definitely interesting. I don't know what the players are going through right now. and I don't know what, what they've been thinking throughout this. Andrew? Yeah, no, like, it's a time where you see there's so many, like, moving pieces to each decision that's being made. And as Aiden said, like, we've got three different things we're looking at. Keely, we've got the whole racial movement, and then we also have this whole pandemic. And then, like, it is also looking at for some teams, is it really worth going that like distance and really risking it to go, especially if you know your team is most likely not going to go far deep into the playoffs? I mean, for Bradley Beal, I feel like for any like player, they would just love to play. But I think for sure it's going to look more weight, more than just the positioning of standings, but more of just like, is it really worth it with more of a social aspect looking and health-wise as more of a weighting factor compared to the standing of the team? Because clearly most players have said that they do like they love their sport i mean this is what they're playing for and it is a career for them and this is where their passion lies and their decision is gonna be deeper than just our standing because most of them you pretty much seen would love to go back they want to play like that is where they are at but there are other factors are becoming much larger than just playing and it's really coming into question now yeah and that's something you're gonna have to watch I think LeBron, he has been pretty vocal about his support in terms of going and the NBA in terms of their plan that they have. And now that he's got his best friend, J.R. Smith, joining him on the (laughs) Lakers, we'll see what happens. Um, Maybe that's something that just causes him to decide that I don't want to go because I don't want to deal with J.R. Smith missing another shot uh, or not taking a shot with three seconds left well, he in must a tied game. He must have been part of negotiations, I would think, right? They would probably have to ask him. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he would know. Oh, he'd be involved. He'd be involved, for yeah, sure. Yeah. It's just funny to think back on the fact that J.R. Smith will never be separated from LeBron James, ever. And 
any playoff run he ever goes on, apart from with yeah. the Heat, they will be together. So congratulations to J.R. Smith on having another playoff run, riding the coattails of LeBron James. Mind you, I would love to ride the coattails of LeBron James as well, if mm-hmm. that meant getting, what, two, one championship ring? <clears throat> yeah, Sorry. just the one. How many one uh, rings does J.R. have? Just one? Yeah, I think, I just, think the one. It's just the one. The first one that Cleveland won. Yeah, so he's got one ring, and I feel like that's probably good enough for me. That'd be good enough for me. Uh, I'd love a ring, but yeah. fortunately. A replica ring. Top. I didn't even yeah. get a Raptors replica ring. I know, exactly. I missed that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think that's sort of where we stand in the NBA. I'm going to ask you our next little sort of question after the break, um, because it relates to, what, relates to what Austin Rivers said recently. Uh, that I really thought was interesting and sort of an opinion that I share with him. But let's sort of start, let's sort of, I'm going to dive into soccer really quickly. We're just going to get this out of the way because we only have seven minutes left in this call. Uh, Just so we don't have to talk about it later. Um, Fire through it really quick. Leroy Sané has officially joined Bayern Munich from Manchester City. This is a move that's been rumored to be happening for like over a year now. Uh, It was a much higher salary or fee initially, and it turned into something much lower. I ended up going for 44.7 million euros uh, with a 10 million potential add-on uh, to the deal. We don't really know what those add-on clauses are yet, but that's where they do stand. Uh, there's a 10% uh, add-on fee. Like, so when uh, Bayern eventually sell, if they do sell Sané, he will, I can't remember exactly how it's set up, whether or not City will get 10% of the fee that Bayern earn, or if it's the fact that Bayern only get 10% of the fee they sell him for. Uh, I can't remember exactly which it was. I'd have to look that up, but that was really notable. Uh, he's making $385,000 a week, and that's euros. So wow. that's a pretty nice salary, if you ask me. <laughs> um, it's pretty set for life with that. But... Yeah, he's going to be playing. He's a left winger, if you don't know who he is. Really, really good on cities. Only 24. And he'll be playing on the same side as Alfonso Davies. So if you like pace, Byron's going to be the team to watch because, wow, he is. Both those two are just lightning quick. And that's going to be tough for any team to deal with, especially with Hakimi, who plays for Dortmund. Now leaving, there isn't really someone who can match either of those guys' pace in the Bundesliga. So look forward to next season. I'm excited for that, especially as someone who loves Alfonso Davies because he's a Canadian kid. Um, but yeah, what other news was there in soccer? Let's go with Jurgen Dom. Um, no, I'm not swearing. That's his actual name. He <laughs> has been... He's an interesting one. He's the... The thing with Jurgen Dahm is he's a guy who used to have a lot of interest in, from Europe. Uh, I believe Dortmund and Wolfsburg both offered him deals to potentially move to those clubs. Uh, he's played for the Mexican national team. He is lightning quick. Like he's one of the fastest players on the planet, uh, along with Sané and Hakimi and Davies and a bunch of other players. But he's very, very quick. Uh, and he signed with Atlanta United, which – I'm going to shout out my other podcast because I feel like I do this every single time. Uh, it's the first time we've talked soccer on this one for a long time, but according to one of my co-hosts, um, Josh Boland, you can follow him on Twitter at Josh underscore Boland. Uh, 
this had been sort of rumored to be happening and sort of confirmed that he was going to come to Atlanta in the winter. Uh, so he eventually signed on a free transfer, which is nuts. As a TAM player or GAM or whatever they're using now, I think it's just GAM uh, at this point, which you guys both don't understand. Aiden's already falling asleep. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> we, I'm still yeah, here. So, uh, yeah, I know. Um, I think it's a great pickup for Atlanta. He's so quick on the wings. He's great crosser. He can finish as well. It's, his finishing does need a little bit of work, but he's seriously good. Um, I'm very happy with that signing for them. I think I'm excited to have him back in – or not back – in uh, MLS. He's the seventh player in MLS, I believe, who has caps for the Mexican national team, which is like the second most on the planet behind Mexi- the Mexican league itself. So – MLS is starting to poach that Mexican talent, especially after they had to cancel their season to the coronavirus outbreak. Um, and finally, the MLS food drama. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw this on Twitter. You probably didn't. But uh, two Toronto FC players, Omar Gonzalez and Eric Zavaleta, both tweeted out pictures of their first meals in Orlando because they've gone to Orlando now. And they were not the best-looking sandwiches. Uh, with if to put it nicely was sort of like what you'd expect if you've ever gone to camp and that first meal they give you on the bus to tide you over so that you don't start complaining kind of reminds you of that uh mls then today i can't believe i'm saying this i believe they issued a statement (laughs) explaining why the food looked so bad (laughs) (laughs) yeah i know i know um basically explaining the fact that this is only a one-time thing uh, it's just the first meal they get when they come to Orlando. After that, they have a choice of four different restaurants that they can choose from. But wow, um, that somehow took over Twitter yesterday, especially soccer Twitter and MLS Twitter. That shows you the state of current sport world where sandwich controversy is happening. But it's just, I don't know. One thing I do want to add before we wrap up, because we have less than two minutes left on this call. MLS, if you're looking to f- check out the groups, don't go to Twitter. Made that mistake on Monday where I built my well, prediction uh, based on the groups of B and D, which ended up being incorrect. Uh, they tweeted out the wrong groups. The league tweeted out their wrong groups. I'm repeating that because it's so absurd. Wow. Uh, so there's that go to Wikipedia. I hate saying that because Wikipedia isn't the most reliable place on the planet, but they're set it up pretty well. Go there. If you want my prediction, go to MLS multiplex podcast and Spotify and Apple podcast. You can go check it out there. Uh, we have another one coming up this week, which is going to be really, really cool. I highly suggest checking it out. I'll shut it out again next week, which is the day MLS restarts because we're a week away, but that's it. That's soccer. Uh, not a ton of news that we need to talk about. So yeah, after this, we're going to get finish up the NBA and then dive into everything that has to do with the NHL. So we'll be right back. Nice. Cool. <laughs> that's just before it ended too. Um, yes, that's all the soccer we need to hit. I figured that would be a good sort of little stop gap between getting everything done, but yeah, that's good. Yeah. We can do the Austin nice. Rivers debate and then dive into the NHL stuff. 
Yeah. I thought this was going to be a short podcast. It is most definitely not going to be. Short. No. <laughs> um, so sorry about that. We're taking up a lot of your time. Seems like a trend we need to sort of start to control a little bit, but uh-huh. whatever. That's why uh, you got to so get yeah. pre- premium Zoom. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully they accept my request for that. Maybe. We'll see. I highly yeah. doubt it. If not, we can go to, you can download. All right. So let's hit our final little NBA tidbit because Austin Rivers says something really interesting that I liked a lot. Uh, I thought it really hit where I sort of fell on this whole playoff idea recently. And we sort of discussed it in the past, but Andrew, I want your take on this. Uh, he said, I'm summarizing here. I don't have the official quote. Also, uh, that basically the playoffs will have an asterisk, but it's because it will be the most difficult playoffs to ever win for the NBA. Do you guys agree with that sentiment? Or do you think that it may not fully encompass what this whole playoff idea is? Do you think that it should be a bit more, eh, this isn't really real we can't really take this seriously or do you think it is actually tougher? Yeah. Like the way I look at it, it's for sure going to be tougher in certain ways, especially at the beginning, because this is a lot of players have not played. So there's a lot of question marks of how the chemistry is rolling, how things are going to work and everything. That's for sure. Like the first, that's the hard part. I think that's where he's talking about this whole complication. It becomes at the beginning where teams are still trying to figure out who they are. Like, team was I mean the season was cut about like three quarters in and a lot of teams still had question marks after trade deadline like okay where are we going with this team and like what's happening so it's going to be really tough but then I think that's where it doesn't go after a certain like round or so I don't think it'll be like you start understanding where teams are but yeah for sure the beginning is where every team just going to have to run for it and just hope they can get it through and go um I do think it's going to be difficult um because of the circumstances, obviously, it makes it tougher. Um, I think I think the NBA is a little bit different, though, because, I mean, I'm comparing it to the NHL, and the NHL has five rounds. And I know, like, the NBA is going to be playing games before they jump into playoffs as well, but it's not going to be as serious, I guess, right off the bat compared to what the NHL is doing because they're having um, a play-in series, and the NBA is not. Correct, right? Yeah, they're not. They're not having yeah. a plan, right? Yeah. No, they're doing like a regular season. So I, eight games. So I guess, like in terms of NHL, it's a lot difficult because you have to play more teams to win the cup. Uh, for NBA, though, the fact that there might not be those top guys on um, on teams playing, even for example, Bradley Beal, or we don't know what's happening with Jokic yet, um, that might be. Uh, you know, beneficial to other teams, but, um, it's going to be difficult, but I don't know if it's going to be like the most difficult playoffs to win in, in his words, if that makes sense. I, I, again, I was paraphrasing. I'm not sure if he said that exactly, Okay, but I kind of agree with his sentiment. You know, you're coming off not playing basketball or any sport rather for three months. You haven't played a, a game in since the middle of March. You have barely practiced. You haven't even had team practices yet, full team practices. So I think that, A, the physical aspect is going to be incredibly difficult. And, B, you're doing this, especially in the NBA, in the middle of a uh, racial justice movement. And 
potentially one of the biggest racial justice movements we've seen since the 60s, 70s, 80s. Um, so I tend to agree with him. I like his sentiment. I think it's the same case in the NHL because this is going to be an incredibly different playoffs. And who knows? Like, I know a lot of people don't share the sentiment and a lot of people just want to cancel the season. Mm-hmm. I don't really agree with that sentiment. I think if you can do this safely, which I have faith the NHL will do. I have faith the NBA will try to do. I just Florida is a... Um, <laughs> but yeah, like I, I don't know. I like what he's saying. I think it's the truth and how a lot of players and a lot of people are looking at it, but I haven't really been voiced publicly, right? It's... Yeah. I don't know. I like being, I like the honesty, I guess, in his words and in the fact that he is considering this not anything worse than what would normally happen, but something better. And that's what's really notable to me. Um, I guess we should move on to the NHL because there is a ton of stuff that we need to hit in terms of what they have said uh, um, and what has come out in the past really. 24, 48 hours. Um, Bob McKenzie has been absolutely on fire. Pierre LeBron has been amazing as well. CJ still killing it. Um, so let's just sort of start from the beginning. Start where we have concrete information from the NHL, which is that 26 players have tested positive for COVID-19. 15 of them have done that at official sites and 11 have not done that at official sites. So I assume the 11 would include, I believe we talked about this last week, the rumors that Austin Matthews has COVID. He's obviously not in Toronto yet. He's still in Arizona. So I assume that would be like a non-official test. And uh, I'm not sure if they've publicly named a player who's showed up in an official site and tested positive, but there's that. I think it's very interesting that they've had that many players test positive. 26 of obviously a few hundred, but still a decent amount. And I know a lot of them did come from Tampa Bay in Florida, which is obvious. Um, Austin was in Arizona, so Arizona obviously hasn't handled this very well either. But they are starting to test positive, and we'll see what happens. I don't know if you guys have any sort of thoughts on what the NHL is set up like, especially with how many positive cases they've had. Um, do you guys have any thoughts on that? I don't really have much to say on that. Andrew, do you have anything you want to say? I mean, from the way I view it, it could just be the players, like the last restrictions. Maybe they have less restrictions on the players so far, and it's the interactions they're having that we don't know of. It's not publicly known as much possibly yeah that's very true um who knows we only we don't know what's going on in their personal lives and maybe they're taking it seriously maybe they're not yeah something that remains to be seen but one thing that will be seen is apparently las vegas is no longer a front runner to be a hub city for the nhl Obviously, over the last few weeks, we've talked pretty heavily about the fact that the NHL has basically solidified uh, the Vegas as guaranteed to be a hub city. And then cases started spiking in Nevada because nobody took it seriously there. Um, 
do you guys think not playing in Vegas is the right decision? Or do you think that the plan that they had was airtight enough, I guess is the way that they've been describing it, where the players aren't necessarily, I guess players and staff aren't necessarily at risk of what's happening in the general population? I think they had a good setup in Vegas. I think, you know, they had those hotels pretty close to each other and good facilities. And I did like that. Like I did like their plan and I thought Vegas was like for sure going to be a hub city. Um, but then, you know, obviously the amount of cases started spiking and things went sideways. Um, do I think that, you know, even if there are these cases, players should still go there? No, I, th- I don't, I don't think so. I think, now is the time to look at other options and look at, you know, playing in one country as well, which is kind of what we'll, we'll get into um, in a second. Um, and I, I think that they should um, really, you know, consider doing that. And um, I, I just don't think it's safe to, to, uh, to go in between countries, if you know what I mean, like switching back and forth having players travel like that well they won't be traveling but just in case there's like anything that goes wrong with like the border um they should all be in one country so that's my take on that yeah no like i think vegas looked at as a really promising area just because it is more isolated compared to a lot of areas the population is not at large compared to many other u.s cities and so and like it's much more controlled they could really control a lot of things but of course the public opinion on the whole case of coronavirus basically is different there and it seems like the case is going up and that's for sure a precaution that maybe the interests of people there they're not taking it seriously and that can affect any league coming into there and for sure the nhl had to relook at that and be like this is a decision we have to relook and take in other cities as an option so yeah toronto and so on the list goes on of other possible places but yeah the u.s seems to be a very it's a tough place to sell right now for any league to really base it down yeah just because of the situations. Do you think, jumping off this, uh, actually, I'll mention the first, who the two favorites apparently are in terms of where they're going to end up playing games. Um, Toronto and Edmonton appear to be the two favorites in terms of where the NHL is going to end up. Um, this is barring any last-minute changes. This has become from multiple reports from McKenzie. Uh, I believe Frank Cervalli was the initially one who reported that Vegas was no longer in the running, but who knows? Do you guys think that other leagues should follow the NHL's moves and move their hub city from where it's supposed to be? And by that, I mean, do you think that MLS, NBA, uh, I guess those are the only two that are actually isolating uh, considering what the MLB is doing. Yeah. (laughs) Do you think that either of those leagues should move to a different location, whether that be in New York, because obviously their cases are going way down, uh, or maybe even Canada. Maybe we have Toronto be a hub city for three different sports. Uh, I think it's I think it's too late to change their mind, and I don't know if it would look good if the NBA was to completely change their uh, the direction that they were going in. Um, I do know what you mean, Connor. Like Florida is the hot spot, I guess, for COVID right now. So it would be smart to uh, to consider moving it, I guess, if you were NBA. But I I don't see it happening. 
I know that the cases are spiking in Florida, but I do trust that the bubble is good enough. And I like, you know, that they're taking a lot of precautions and you see all these stuff coming out about what players have to do to stay safe in the bubble. So I do trust that if things go according to plan. Um, But I think even if, like, it's the same in any city. Like, even if, even if it's in Toronto, there's a chance that something happens. It's just a risk that you're, you're willing to take, I guess, if you're the NBA um, or any league. Um, there's a, a good chance that things could go sideways and the coronavirus could affect a bunch of players. Um, it doesn't matter what city you're in, it could happen. Um, I don't see the NBA switching their, their plan, though. Yeah, no, the, I agree with that. Like the teams look like they're set, and like the leagues are set with what they very plan. And it is going to look really weird for them to just switch all of a sudden, especially with all the planning they've gone through. Like it is only they have less than a month left for most of them to really make another switch would be a re- really large change, and they have to go through all the planning process. I don't think there's enough time to even really do that anymore. So yeah, yeah. I tend to agree. I think there's enough time for the NBA to do it. Uh, I'm not sure about and the MLS because, they're, again, as we mentioned earlier, they're only a week away. Mm-hmm. And I, but I do think it's something you should seriously consider. Um, I don't. I think what the NHL's done and waited a long time has been very smart because they've been able to see how the situation has adapted among these different cities. So. Who knows what will happen? Uh, I think it's anybody's guess just how the NBA will set things up. But we'll have to wait and see. Um, I guess what we should talk about, other than the hub cities, because I guess we sort of covered it all. Uh, actually, let me get this. What are your predictions for where the hub cities are going to be? We'll start with you, Andrew. I'm going to go. I think Toronto's got that for sure. I just as one of them as the way that it's set up and everything and the way that the cases are going the city seems to be having everything set down and it is a larger city so it does offer more resources for the nhl to really set things up and really plan things out accordingly yeah and who do you think the second city will be second city i think from the way i view it i think edmonton does have a good chance i mean edmonton i mean alberta itself it is more isolated so they can also they both have their benefits in certain ways, I, I think it would be a really nice mix of having a large city and a smaller place. Okay. And Aiden, where do you stand on all this? Maybe like uh, Florida and Arizona. Sounds right. Good picks. Good picks. Those are really those, safe spots. I think those are good. I think they should go to Brazil, actually. I think Brazil is a better <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Forgot Brazil. Okay, please go. I don't, I don't want to go on a rant. Go, go, go. Uh, da, 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 da. <laughs> I, I mean, like... I'm hoping that these reports are right about it being Toronto and Edmonton. Um, I don't really see where else they could go, really. Like, I know, um, is it LA? LA is still in consideration and Chicago. But yeah. we haven't really heard anything about those two places yet. Um, I, think, I think Toronto is, like, for sure. I think the NHL from the beginning wanted it, it to be in Toronto. So I think Toronto is definite. Edmonton, I think... I think it's still pretty solid. There's a good chance of, of that happening. But uh, I would be a little bit um, less confident about Edmonton than Toronto. But that's, that's good, I think. Yeah. All right. Uh-huh. So we are, are a consensus that 
the two hub cities will be Toronto and Edmonton. Uh, Toronto's a guarantee, although we said that about Vegas and look at what happened. And we said Vancouver will probably be the other one and look at what happened. So right now, anything is possible. Uh, who knows? Uh, but yeah, I guess that's sort of the hub city talk. Let's talk about more other news that came out, specifically around the bonuses. Um, obviously, July 1st is one of the biggest bonus days for NHL players. Uh, today, I believe it was $300 million was owed to, in total, to all players on contracts and that's a lot of money. Uh, it, we don't know just how it will feature the escrow, whether or not it'll be 20% like it's rumored to be eventually uh, for next two seasons, or if it'll be this year's or what it'll happen. Uh, that's sort of still up in the air, and that's what sort of Bob McKenzie was talking a little bit about. But what's really, really interesting is the Leafs are responsible for over a quarter of the top 50 bonuses paid out. I'm going to shout out Kyle Cushman for this because he put this tweet out and thank you, Cushman. You are amazing. Kyle, you're great. Um, thank you for this. But he basically laid out all of the bonuses for that are owed to the Leafs. So we start off with the three obvious ones in Matthews, Marner, Tavares, Matthews is owed 15.2 million. Marner is owed 14.3. Tavares is owed 11.09 million. Next up, we have Muzzin at 7.3 million. Anderson, which is interesting. I didn't know he was owed a bonus. 4 million. Nylander at 3.5. Hall, who I don't know how he got a bonus. 1 million. And then Janssen, Kapanen, and Kerfoot all get $1 million bonuses as well. So all that accumulated, $60,558,000 that the MLSC had to pay out today to its players. Quite the, uh, I guess, cost for MLSC when you look at it. Uh, another interesting case was what was going to happen with Carey Price because he was reportedly owed a bonus. But it turns out it wasn't July 1st the bonuses due, it's September 1st. So the Habs still have two months to pay that. But that's a big part of what people were worried about in terms of how would this pay out, play out for the players and the bonuses and how this affect the pay structure. Uh, so that was a big thing that was answered. Um, do you guys have any sort of thoughts on the bonuses? I just thought I'd include that because that's a whole lot of money that's due, owed to a whole lot of people. Yeah. Um... <laughs> the Leafs have a lot of good players, I guess. I don't know. Um, and yeah, MLSC, uh, they spent a lot of money today and their wallets are looking pretty empty. You say uh, that. Not much to say. It's about a fraction of what they actually have. I guess, have. yeah, true. <laughs> um, oh, like the, the money that they carry in their wallets. Their wallet oh, yes. is empty now. Yeah. Because you can fit $60,000. Exa- Definitely. Or 60,000. 60, 60 million. 60 million, yeah. <laughs> 60 and a half million, actually, into a wallet. Uh, that would be astronom- astronomically impressive. That's a, that's a heavy wallet. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's a big wallet right there. Um, yeah. Even if you had a million dollar bill. Okay, let's get off of this. Um, 
on top of negotiating this whole return to play stuff, the NHL and NHLPA are negotiating a new CBA or a CBA extension for three years. Obviously, the CBA is set to expire in the next couple of years. I believe it's next year that it was set to expire. And obviously, with coronavirus and everything that's happening, they needed a new one. And that's part of the negotiations that have really taken a long time because negotiating a CBA is not very easy. Um, right now, the rumors are that the CBA will feature escrow maxed at 20% for each of the next two seasons. And then I believe it will go down the season after that. And then for the next two seasons as well, salary will stay at 81.5 million. And then after those two seasons, jump up to 82.5. It's getting closer. It's getting sounding like they only have a couple more things that they need to negotiate. But do you guys have any sort of issues with the things that I've mentioned so far, because the salary cap in particular could really hurt some teams, especially the Leafs, Vegas, and Tampa Bay, and numerous other, basically most of the NHL that are right up against the cap right now. Um, yeah, I think you know the Leafs are definitely going to have to pay a toll for, for this, and they're going to lose some players. Um, I, yeah, like you said, the other teams as well, Tampa, it's definitely going to cause a ripple effect. And, um, you know, it's going to take a while for the cap to, uh, to get back up to where it was um, as well. But this is what has to be done. You know, it's, it's what ha- had to be done. The uh, NHL's in a tricky spot, and I guess they, they had to do this. So um, it's really just up to the GMs now to figure out um, how to make their team. And it's going to be a lot different. It's going to be a challenge. But uh, that's what they got to do. Yeah, I mean, this is normal for teams. It should be. I mean, as we like to view it, like we like to think the salary caps keep rising continuously at a certain percentage rate. But things do happen. And this is one case of where it's going to go the other way. And management's going to have to figure out how do you press against that. That's the kind of their job that they got to figure out. It's going to cost. I mean, it's going to be the roster is going to change because of that with the cap space. But it is just how it's going to be. And teams will have to figure that out and understand. I mean, it's also up to the players if they want to take start taking some cuts. I mean, that is also another thing to factor in. Maybe they are willing to, to keep that chemistry going for longer. Yeah, yeah. it's going to be really interesting to see what happens, um, particularly with these negotiations, because historically, CBA negotiations haven't gone very well. and Somehow, these sound like they've gone very well. Uh, the fact that they've gone from having absolutely nothing to a potentially a new CBA in the span of a few weeks is really, really good for the NHL. It's something that would never happen with the MLB, but who knows? Both sides have sort of conceded things. Um, one of the other rumors, according to, I believe it was Bob McKenzie who reported this. It might've been somebody else. So apologies if I got that wrong, but One of the rumors is a part of the CBA will be that players will be allowed to go to the Olympics in 2022 and 2026. So as a result, you'll get to see NHL players at the next two Olympics, which we missed in 2018 due to the NHL not allowing players to go. That's something the players wanted really badly. That's something that people should get excited for. 
where do you guys sort of stand on how this is sort of ended up? And do you think that NHL players should be going to the Olympics? Um, it's hard to say because, because I'm first a fan, I guess, you know, and obviously as a supporter of team Canada and I see the caliber of athletes that, you know, come out of this country. Um, I obviously want them to be competing against uh, the rest of the world for a gold medal. So I think that, you know, players should be allowed to go there. Um, also because, you know, they, they want to, the players themselves want to be the ones um, going to the Olympics and competing for their country. That's what they grow up uh, thinking about. Um, and I think Alex Ovechkin kind of said it best a couple of years ago. Um, he didn't grow up um, dreaming about winning a Stanley Cup, but he dreamed about winning a gold medal for Russia. So, you know, it, uh, it means a lot to these players. And um, I think, you know, having this, um, this uh, agreement, or it's not confirmed yet, but if it, if it does happen, I think it's kind of maybe a little bit of a balance between what happened with the salary cap and, uh, and bringing in the Olympics maybe um, makes the players a lot happier in some way. Yeah, no, I think it's really interesting because I remember, I think it was grade 12, when I talked to my economics teacher about this, and he actually had a really interesting stance on all this. The way that he viewed this was that it actually might be better just to keep the NHL not a part of this because the idea is that by having allowing other nations to come up in the hockey world that we don't see because if you look at it every time you go to olympics that when nhl is available it's usually the same three teams or so that i always talked about it's canada sweden russia or us like it's really very basic down that we usually talk about but the opportunity that comes upon when we remove the nhl or maybe instead maybe we restrict the nhl amount allowed per country or so just to keep the competitiveness close because i mean if we look at back it was 2018 and it was a different team i mean of course, we were not the best or anything, but it brought something different. It brought more of an amateur level where the Olympic is usually more viewed as, as an amateur kind of sport. And this gives opportunity for new athletes and players to kind of give that spotlight that they probably never get the chance to see. Yeah, it's actually, it's an interesting point of view. Um, I don't necessarily agree with it. I think it should be best on best, especially with the emergence of certain talent like Germany, uh, you know, Leon Dreisaitl, uh, Seitzer, who I believe was like yeah. upcoming drafter, or was it last year? I got mixed up. Upcoming, um, upcoming, upcoming, and then the kid that the Red Wings took last year. Uh, I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but you know, you see teams like that and countries like that start to really develop and start to become more hockey nations, which is really positive to see. Um, I guess. We only had like 10 minutes left in the call and we still need to do hot takes. Um, but let's sort of wrap it up with what CJ said uh, during, as we were recording. This came out about, I think like 20 minutes ago-ish. Um, basically, he said that if the NHL comes to an agreement and my hot take will be coming soon in terms of that, um, they'll likely have phase three resume or start on July 13th. So that'll be probably like two weeks, maybe three weeks um, of training camps. And then they'll get right back into things. So end of July, early August, expect hockey back. 
get excited. Uh, do you guys have anything quick to say before we do our hot takes on the NHL, the CBA negotiations, the any of that? I think we're good. <laughs> yeah, good? I think we're All good. All right. Yeah. Well, we have a recurring segment on this show at the very end. We give our hot takes, which are two or three or one or however many you have. Um, hot take where you basically say something really out there that you predict to happen. So in the past, I've predicted that the MLB was going to be the first league to resume. Or we've had Aiden predict that Mike Babcock was going to get fired uh, back in like November. which And I was happening. right, yes. And that was somehow <laughs> right. Um, or we've had... Uh, somebody predicted, was it you? I think it was you predicted the Leafs with the Stanley cup back in December. So yeah. things like that. Um, so I don't know if you guys have anything prepared. I thought of one just as we were recording. So if you need me to go first, I'm happy to go first, but do you, either of you want to beat me to the punch? I think our guest should go first. Yeah. You know what? If he, if he okay. has one. Yeah. 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 You got one? I got right. one. Good. Okay. Go okay. ahead. So if NBA season continues, I see the Toronto Raptors are going to be back-to-back champions. That's my view. <laughs> and it's, I mean, if you look at the oh, team, is, <laughs> wow, the team is not as great <laughs> compared to last season in chemistry, like in talent-wise, but the chemistry has sparked. This team has something going, and there's something there that I have not seen from this Raptors team ever throughout all the years I've watched. This is something different about this team for sure. Do you think it's going to be a different Raptors team when NBA returns? I think it's for sure going to be some figuring out to do, but I feel that the way that the depth goes and the way that these players' capabilities are really amazing, I think this team's going to be different, but I think in a better way that they can actually work, finally get the chance to work all together. That's something that we haven't really fully seen this season. And that really raises the question about like what this team really can be because we've never seen that full potential this whole season yet. I like that. That's a good hot take. That's a good, That's one, a good yeah. hot take. Uh, Aiden, you want to go first or you want me to go? Uh, sure, I'll go. Um, I'm going to say that, um, Cam Newton and the, uh, New England Patriots, um, are going to finish, uh, dead last in their division, uh, coming up this season. Um, I think this Newton signing is going to go south and it's not going to turn out at all the way the Patriots wanted it to. And, uh, yeah, but I'm also going to say that they're going to get a really good quarterback in next year's draft as well because of that. Well, that's a hot take. Uh, my nearly not, not nearly as hot as that. Uh, my hot take this week is that the NHLPA will have a vote to ratify phase three and four this week. And by the weekend, we will know when the NHL is resuming play, when the season will be resumed, and everything will be figured out. Oh, not very weekend. hot. Okay. Not very hot because there were reports from <laughs> Bob McKenzie and L.A. Friedman and C.J. I'm not sure if Friedman did. Here, uh, this is my hot reports. take. My hot take is Toronto and Edmonton will be hub cities uh, for the National Hockey League. They, okay. <laughs> They're still ironing out issues. There were a couple left. Uh, I can't remember if we mentioned this or not, but their voting to ratify the CBA could happen as early as this weekend. Okay. I think it will happen as early as this weekend. Nice. We will see, though. That remains to be figured out. But with that, we want to thank you for listening. We want to thank Andrew for coming on. 
you can check out his Instagram, which he has all his graphic stuff on at Andrew underscore J T Q. Uh, he makes some really sick graphics, specifically basketball related. Uh, so go check that out. Uh, really cool stuff. Do you have anything you want to shout out quickly before you, we wrap up or. Uh, for sure. I want to say thank you to you guys for giving me this opportunity to really just tell my story and everything I've gone through and just really to talk to you guys. It's really nice though. <laughs> Thanks for, for coming, coming on. I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. It's, we enjoy doing this because we do get to talk to people and find out more about who this program is because everybody's got a different story and yeah. that's what we're uncovering every episode uh, so far. So Thank you for coming on. We really, really, really appreciate it. We know Thank this took guys, a long though. time. This is a very long episode, which we thought was going to be short, but yeah, we stretched it. Um, so yeah, thank you for listening. Uh, you can check me out on Twitter at CWG Somerville. Check out Aiden on Instagram at Aiden Silifants. Got it. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, check out my podcast next uh, Monday, hopefully, maybe Tuesday probably Tuesday. We're going to have a really, really cool episode coming out with a ton of, hopefully a ton of writers from the MLS multiplex network. Um, I got an article coming out next tomorrow. Yeah. Tomorrow. Uh, talking about whether or not MLS should move their tournament a week before it's happening. But with that, thank you for listening. We'll see you next time and peace. <laughs>